the Joe Rogan effect. Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. <laughs> is that my boy Nick? That's Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Diaz in the opening forever. Oh, that was man. one of the coolest moments of my UFC broadcasting career. How about Rory McDonald giving you <laughs> yeah, a shout Yeah, he gave me a shout He's in there, too. He's in the beginning. That kid is ridiculous. Oh, my God, he's scary. That guy was so much bigger than him, so too. So scary. He's like, I'm going to shoot a single leg on you at will, and then I'm yeah. going to climb you, and I'm going to beat you up. He's so scary because he's, first of all, he's like super duper dedicated. And he's one of those kids. He's only like 22. You know, when you're only like 22, 23 years old, man, you can get, if you get that good that young, yeah. you can get away with a lot of well, shit. Well, it's a way he came, he's the one who came up with just pure MMA. You know? Yeah. But I also think um, as good as these athletes are now and everything else, there, there are some people that have a, a um, like a, a real edge, but it's got to be because of their philosophy and who's teaching them, you know, sort of their It's that. It's, it's certainly part of that. But to get a Roy McDonald, it's so rare. It's yeah. so rare that you get someone who has that kind of focus, that kind of intensity. Oh, Dude, you how know? about his, his, his uh, stare in the, in the beginning of yeah, that fight? A creepy stare. Dude, he just goes quiet. His whole body just yeah. goes fucking quiet. He's like a, a predator, like the way a, a lion, when it yeah. stops really good, sees a, yeah. a gazelle. Yeah. <laughs> just shoot. And I was like, that dude's so focused, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, he's very unusual. Yeah. Very yeah. unusual kid. Yeah, Real, really Sandy, seems like a really nice guy outside of fighting. Super friendly, really yeah, easy going, I, and just mauling motherfuckers. Yeah, he, he, he just does what he wants. And at and 22, you see, at that age, when you're really young like that, you can get so good so quick. Yeah, I know. When you're with kids that are really focused and really dedicated at those early ages, they make these huge leaps in like six, eight months, these giant leaps to take a grown man years to, yeah. to hit. Yeah. They can just really accelerate I, so I, quickly. I think that's like, my, my buddy was, is writing a book on learning and he's a kind of a, like just one of these guys who went to Harvard and studied, was, has a, he speaks literally, he really does speak like seven languages fluently, like really does. Wow. And he has his degree in biomedical engineering and all. He's, one, he's a kind of a genius. And, and uh, I said, how do you speak all those languages? And he goes, well, it's funny because I'm writing a book about learning. And I said, well, what, what's your philosophy? He said, well, most of the time with learning, when you, when you have to learn something, you already have a lot of preconceived notions about what you can and can't do. So you usually come to the equation with this notion that I'm good at this, I'm not good at that, because somebody along the way told you that. So most of what learning is is, is just getting out of your own way before you can even learn anything, because you come to it with your own um, projection, your own sort of... Um, uh, scaffolding that you put on it and and so his philosophy is like he just said I can speak languages I'm gonna get out of my own way I can speak languages I'm gonna find the system so it's like Tim Ferriss says if you want to learn Spanish you only have to know really 2.5 percent of the words and you can understand 95 percent of Spanish it'll take you five more years to learn five uh, percent of all the Spanish words but you'll only learn you'll only understand 98 percent of, of Spanish you, the, the, the increment is very small so there's there's a there's a system to learning it's just like when you want to educate yourself, there's a, there's a system to it. There's a way to do it. There's a, there's a, there's a methodology uh, and actually a pattern and a path to follow. And most people spend a lot of time, you know, wasting, wasting a lot of time with a lot of periphery stuff, mainly dealing with the fact that they're not good at this. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at languages. I'm not good with money. And what he'll do in this book, his premises, is, is those are all belief systems that somebody else put on you. You don't. You, that's actually not true. And you can get rid. Of, you can get rid of them if you know how to approach something. So it's pretty wild. Um, so you know, someone like Rory McDonald probably started so young that this is a language, and it's the only language he's ever known. So when you teach him something, he's not in his own way. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'll just, I'll just incorporate this into my arsenal. That's you know? a real good point because when we used to get guys who came from other styles that would want to learn Taekwondo, there's a, a difference to the style of kicking. And uh, a lot of it incorporated how you lifted up your knees. And uh, the, they had developed a style of kicking where the knee was down and then the foot was above the knee. And it's, it's a more like leg-centric style of kicking, mm-hmm. whereas the Taekwondo style, the knee is up high, which opens the hips up. And when the hips open up, then there's a turn of the whole body, and it's got so much more power to it. Mm. But we couldn't teach them how to do it. They all would, especially when sparring, yeah. they would just drop their knee and it would be normal stuff and be like, do you got to get your knee up? That's the most important thing. The knee is everything. Well, the, the knee comes power. A, a huge part of learning also is, the, is exactly what you're saying because what, like a lot of times you, you go to what's comfortable. Yeah. You go and because, because practicing, actually the way to get good at something obviously is to practice what you're not good at, what right. makes you uncomfortable. But it doesn't have to make you uncomfortable. What's making you uncomfortable is the notion that you, you is the things that you've put on it. Yeah. So I'm weak. I'm not good. You see a lot of guys that come into jujitsu and they only do what, what they're good with. Yes. They don't spend time on their back or right. they don't spend time whatever. Why? Because they're going to look vulnerable. Right. But you're defining that that process as vulnerable. You can redefine the process. You can decide that it's just you getting better because you're working on where you're soft, right? So it's it really, so much of it is your attitude monitors your talent. Right. You, what you come in with, and actually more, a more specific way of saying it is what you don't come in with it. So much of learning is actually not an addition, a process of addition, it's a process of deletion. Right. You're deleting, right. you know? You're, 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 I think actually, you know, it's funny as you become an adult and you get better at something, you know, certainly for me with stand-up, so much of it is just like letting go of a lot of stuff, like deleting things in my mind that I don't need to be thinking about. I should be thinking about something very positive. So you start learning, oh, I start drifting off into something I'm worried about. I just gently bring my mind back to writing about stand-up. I bring it back to stand-up. I bring it back to writing a joke. I bring it back to thinking about this TV show I'm trying to do. So you can actually get very disciplined and good at, at redirecting your mind. It's not, a, it's not a, uh, an active process. You can make it a very pro- passive process. You know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about work, I got to go to work. I got to do this work. Uh, we put this, this sort of sacred scaffold, this sacred like fence around work. I'm playing and now I'm going to work. It shouldn't be that way. You can completely blur that line. You can completely like just decide, well, work is what I do anyway. I'm just going to gently start thinking about what I want to be and what I want to, what I want to be doing and how to create something. Yeah. You know? The work issues are very, it's a very touchy issue for a lot of people because most people, that's the bane of their existence. Yeah. And with us, it's actually what we love to do. Right. It's, that's a, that's a trick pill for a lot of people to swallow. That's really fucking hard. A it's lot of really people don't want to hear that, that you, we associate the idea with work at some point in our life with displeasure. With That's right. uncomfort, with with you don't want to be there. It's not fun. It's not what you look forward to. Well, well, because for I think the ideal when you talk about work, the ideal is, and and I think anybody who's in a position where they don't like, if you're in a job you hate or whatever, the only way to get out of that job is people say, well, I'm going to move and I'm going to do this, is actually to come up with another idea. You, you know, if you can if you can try to come up with a better idea, it'll beat the other idea. So you might be doing something, but but the work actually is about imagination. It's about just sitting there and letting it come to you, figuring uh, just b- figuring out what is your process. What is the, what do you what is your process? Everybody has a different process. Some people listen to music. Some people walk. What's what's the process you have to undertake 
to feel, to, to get yourself into a creative mode where you're coming up with ideas. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a writer, whether you're a painter, even if you're an athlete. I mean, you know, Rory McDonald, those guys have to constantly, the thing about MMA that I'm noticing is they always have to reinvent. They got to keep adding to their arsenal. They got to keep growing. And a lot of that's imagination, man. Right? Isn't it? I mean, a lot sure. of it's imagination. Yeah. That's yeah. how it's manifesting itself. It's yeah. the, their creativity isn't beating the fuck out of people. And what people don't understand is like, you, you, you actually have to be creative in fighting. It's a very creative thing. And it, when, it, when you get good at it, it's, a lot of it is figuring out how to hit someone in a way where they can't hit you back or where you hit them first, where they're trying to hit you, but you get out of the way and then you counter and hit them. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you, you can pick up like dumb people fight dumb. They, mo- they waddle forward. First they throw the left, and then they throw the right. And all you have to do is keep your wits about you. Mm. You see the left coming. You know the right's coming. It's, it's not, it's not going to be an uppercut either. It's going to be a big, stupid overhand right. And that is, that, that's the, the language that they communicate in. When you're creative, you become very scary. Like a guy like John Jones is very frightening to people because he's very creative yeah. in his attack. You don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he fights Shogun. Shogun's like the best striker he's ever fought. He opens with a flying knee. Cracks him in the jaw, and Shogun's never the same. That's I mean, right. he fucked him up from the first sec- few seconds of the fight. Well, when I when he threw Rashad, uh, I mean uh, uh, Rashad Evans in, yeah. in in that flying triangle. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he's just like, I'm doing MMA. I just want to see if I could do it. He it, just it, pulled guard for no Sakuraba reason. Sakuraba yeah. was that way. I remember yeah. Sakuraba would show up in in a t-shirt that said water, or he paint muscles on himself. Yeah, and he was completely creative. And I, I think that's the lesson, right? You yeah, know, you don't know what he's doing. Yeah, but that He'll comes. Jump on some but, but, shit. But, but but see, that comes from if you if you if you actually look at most people and we all do it a lot of people especially young people as they start becoming aware of the world around them what they'll do is they'll look for something very strong to define themselves as i'm a fighter uh i'm a i'm I'm a slacker i'm a skateboarder i'm i'm fucking rebel i get tattooed and when you define yourselves along really strong lines i think it becomes very and i'm not talking about defining yourself Character wise, I'm talking about defining yourself just as as as, as, as a, a person. I am as a, a Republican. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I'm a right wing guy. Exactly. So I feel as a what conservative. Happen- exactly. And what happens when you do that is that you you it's very hard not to take yourself very seriously in that regard, right? Yeah. And 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 then you don't have room to create because you're th- that that's what I'm talking about. Those lines are very precious, and you don't want to break those lines because then you don't know where to go. Then you're in the danger zone. <laughs> you know, if you it, when you define yourself very strongly like that it's kind of like a way of um uh protecting yourself but i think someone like what's his name um uh, the spider um uh, anderson silva he's so he comes up dancing he that's part of his technique he's very loose he yeah. stays loose he doesn't take it too seriously kind of raises his hands when shell is calling him out you know hey brian is the image down huh is the image down on Ustream? image no it's a big black screen it's lately Ustream's been weird with browsers. Like a lot of people are Some saying like, the sound doesn't work and stuff. And it's just, I think uh, Chrome mostly, but it's. I'm using a uh, Safari. Yeah. What do you use? Do you use I Chrome? Usually oh, use okay. Chrome. I refreshed it. It came back. You're, you're, you, by the way, but people watching all... this are probably wondering why I'm dressed like a professional athlete. Because, a real professional yeah, athlete. Well, I look like a professional soccer player. I look like a European soccer player. Maybe rugby. Maybe rugby. Dude, I got a thick neck. You can't tell right now because I'm wearing a collar, but uh, <laughs> I have a beautiful body under this. What was, and, your, uh, what was your Showtime special called? It's called Man Class. Man Class? <laughs> it's called Man Class. <laughs> okay, it's called Man Class. And it was ridiculous. Uh, I need to come up with a name for mine. I've had very good feedback. Why'd you, Thank why, you, Why everybody. Man Class? 
Um, because I was, I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm talking about what it is to be a man in 2012. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to fucking teach a man class right now. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this problem of masculinity in a fucking world that's so technological. Like we're yeah. still producing es- testosterone and we're aggressive and we have nothing. All we have to do, all we can do is simulate. I well, go to the gym. I'm working the, I'm doing fucking kettlebells. Why <laughs> the fuck do I need to, f- <laughs> the, the, you know, the, to swing a kettlebell for it, But I got to keep my traps up to, <laughs> up to fucking, I'm, I'm learning how to box with my buddy, Karen Gallagher. Like in my, in my backyard, he's, he's bringing me through all this stuff. Like really, well, listen, man, here's, yeah. here's the deal. Somewhere along the line, we got, made to feel guilty for being manly for right. being men exactly. for liking men shit for liking manly things we got somehow or another we 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 became guilty of that but i think women you, you gotta let chicks be chicks you gotta let them wear their crazy heels and their their nutty short skirts yeah. and you know the, the the heels that you don't understand the dresses that don't mean anything to you but to them it's like super important that's all girly shit yeah. and the if instinct. that's what you're into yeah. that's fine yeah. but if you're into manly shit, if you're into like man style things, you're looked down upon. Like, oh come on, it, that's still. what that's what makes me so oh, angry. That's what makes me so angry because listen, up until very fucking recently, we've had to fight and hunt for our own food. You know how much you know? Think about what what kind of what kind of aggression it takes to get on a horse or run through the forest and spear a wild animal and then cut its throat with a stone knife or just a regular knife you smell that animal yeah (laughs) i use a stone knife personally i don't want to brag but i i like to hunt with stone tools i I watched a whole uh, special i believe it was on the history channel where guys made bows and arrows the traditional way like and and went hunting with it i just pitched a show to discovery about with my buddy sam sheridan who you know and, and we're going to go and find all the masculine pockets in a demasculated America. So we're basically going to find guys in Hawaii who, fun, who hunt wild boar using traditional Hawaiian, like the, the ancient hunting tools, like stone spears and whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and we're going to go find those groups and just kind of like showcase these groups and kind of join them and, and could be a funny fucking show. That's hilarious. Yeah. That but could be amazing. There's a huge need for men. You know, women have an instinct to preen, right? They just mm-hmm. have an instinct to preen. They're like birds. You see them, you know, they got 15 different lip glosses and different creams. They're and rubbing their hair. Whatever the fuck it is. Combing it 100 strokes. Right. Guys, you know, my, my joke about guys, for the criteria for guys, the way they dress is they don't want to look like a pussy and they got to be comfortable. That's all it yeah. is. I fucking, it's I don't true. like any loose hanging shit, okay? Yeah. And, 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 uh, I even think that, you know, it's, it's, I can't prove this, but whenever you see a dude, like, like I always make this joke, but it's true. If, you, if you're in Boston or parts of Long Island or New York and you show up in a cool, you're a guy and you show up in like a really sexy, like hipster outfit and you got like fucking awesome bangles and you're, you got a nose ring, you can get beat up by just dudes <laughs> just because of the way you fucking look. They're like, I don't like that guy. How come? He's got a fucking nose ring and he's got bangles. I'm going to punch him in the face. And I think it might be because that guy's not part of our hunting party. Because all that fucking jewelry makes a lot of noise and the fucking animals hear him and they smell his fucking cologne and they can can smell that too. So I'm going fucking hungry. So you're not my hunting party. So I'm going to beat you up. Because you represent hunger to me. I really think that's part of like what we have, that instinct. That's, you know? a, that's a funny way of thinking about it. Yeah. I've always thought it was just, you know, want some douche coming around dressed like, you know. Like Stealing a, my like, women? Like a pirate. 
you know. <laughs> you don't want some dude who thinks he's Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean is walking down your street wearing mascara, talking to girls. Like, what are you doing, dude? Dude, I, I fucking I live in Venice. Okay, I see dudes with hoop earrings, and they're straight. If you're gay, it's fine. You get away with a lot. But I see guys just show up with like a. I saw a guy with a leather like, like like a leather. When holster. you say hoop earrings, how big are these hoops? Are they were about- very big. Oh. <laughs> they were very fucking big, okay? <laughs> Is that the new thing? Dudes are trying to wear like big, oh, like Diana yeah. Ross in the and 70s he earrings. A, he had a mane of thick hair that he tied with this awesome like bow. Part of it was I was just jealous of the fact that he has great hair. But, you know, he, had, he, had, he looked like a fucking pirate. He had, you know, <laughs> he had his jeans rolled up just so with these no, awesome boots. Oh, no. I was like, where can I vote for you, dude? Joe, did you have both ears pierced? Yeah, no, just the left. Just the I left. I had one. two piercings. I had a lower one and then a, a diamond. And by one. lower one, he means his dick, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I, and then I tried to rock two two hoops at the same time, but I, even I was nah, like, "What you can't is do that, that You're about?" Too tough looking. And then I tried to rock two studs at the same time, and then I'm like, "Oh, this is so stupid." So then I went to one tiny little hoop earring, I think, t- like somewhere around news radio, and then jujitsu, just constantly taking it out yeah, to, to roll. I just yeah. like this is stupid. Have you, t- t- have you get t- staff, by the way. Have you tried yeah. to put one in recently? I just tried no. it the other day, and it's it went right in. I'm like, "Oh shit!" I really? can rock my, my, an my, earring. My I had both pierced though. Did you think about doing it? Uh, I did it for a day. I like I yeah. just as a joke. My, my dad um, was an Irish like kind of marine, like just kind of a rough dude who grew up like on a farm. And the, the the dude I showed up like if I showed up with a hat or like just something cool at dinner, he'd just do <laughs> shit like this. He he was just this big fucking dude, and he'd go. Why are you wearing that hat? That's all you'd have to ask me. Or one time I, I had a goatee. I grew a mustache, <laughs> a little awesome soul patch on my chin, and I was going to Italy, and I spent way too much on clothes because I was going to be Italian. Oh, my, and my God. Father, I, I, was like, I was like 28. My father looks at me, and he goes like this. He goes, what's going on with your face? And I go, oh, no, I just thought I'd grow a mustache and a little goatee, you know, and he, and he goes, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, how long are you going to wear that for around me? <laughs> I go, you don't like it? He goes, it's not you. It's not you. There oh, is something weird about when you go really try hard to change your image. But it's one of those things where it, it, it's really kind of dependent upon, like, how transparent are your intentions? Yeah. Or are you just one of those dudes that really can just pull that shit off? Like, Joey Diaz could... He could pull off anything he wanted. No doubt. If he really believed in it, he was 100% behind it. Dude. Joey Diaz could start wearing jumpsuits. Yeah. Listen, well, dog, you, I'm but, bringing back jumpsuits and fanny packs. <laughs> like, uh, if you had a backpack everywhere, if Joey Diaz just all of a sudden started wearing like running suits with a backpack, we would go, all right, I guess that's how he's doing it now. Dude, I, I, I've never been able to. Uh, that's the other reason is I just I don't know how to do it. Like I'm really bad with putting clothing <laughs> together. Like I don't have any creativity. So like I, I was when I shot my special, I went to see this stylist and the dude shows up and he's like, he's got me in a hat. I, got, I have a hat, a fucking necklace <laughs> and a blazer. And by the way, I looked outstanding. <laughs> I looked fucking outstanding. I was like, I'm the best looking guy in America. I was like, this is great. Problem is, I don't know how to wear a hat or jewelry or a fucking blazer. It's too hot. It feels too constrictive. And I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I just, I'm doing it because I, I'd be very aware of the fact that I looked awesome. Or at least I'd act that way. And I just can't do it. You know, it just doesn't doesn't work. Well, being a comedian too, you can only be so ridiculous. Oh, dude, I, I know. You know, you I can know. only like, try so. Like, who wants to watch a comedian go on stage dressed like he's trying to get laid? Who wants to watch a comedian with like skin tight shirts with a button up? What are those things called? 
the, the button. The, the, the thermals or whatever. No, yeah. yeah, but you know that style. Yeah, There's like yeah. a style yeah, to it. Yeah. I don't you know can't be. You can't be too all sexy and tight yeah. and then pants that already have rips in them. Like if you're you Russell Brandt, you can do that. But I don't really. Again, I'm not as good looking as Russell Brandt. Yeah, you know? I, I saw that the other day where the guy had like his hair done up like 90210, like the slick, like like poof in the top front, and he had like the white shirt that kind of was cut too low, and then he had like a little shell necklace thing going on there, and he was doing jokes about how everyone everyone you know confuses me with like Dylan from 902 and like he actually brought up the the way he looked at, and well, as an was adjunct. this like an open mic night no this was a, a show at uh just a regular D- show Dove David off tells his real joke which is based on a true story where a guy got out of a BMW when he first got to LA and Dove grew up in a junkyard in Jersey you know so the guy the guy fucking gets out of a BMW and he's wearing kind of a cape like a like a cape, like kind of a like a long. It's not even a duster. It's a cape. Right. And the guy goes, "Hey, you know what time it is?" And Dove's like, "You're just gonna ask me what time it is? Like you're not wearing a fucking cape? It's time <laughs> to take the fucking cape off, jerk off. <laughs> Fuck are you doing? I'll punch you in the face right now, and I don't even know you. And it's so so hilarious, you know. Have you seen that thing that Robert Kelly wears? He, he talks about it once in a while on Opie and Anthony, and it was like it's like a I can't remember the name of it, but it's a like a fanny pack that instead of having it around your crotch it's like this thing that goes from like the left side to the right side like a seatbelt. <laughs> only robert kelly could get away with that i right. love robert <laughs> it's like a man Rob, robert yeah robert yeah. could get away with it though it's a man purse yeah, you know funny. as you get older and you're not trying to get laid you start saying things like what the fuck why don't i just have a purse <laughs> you start saying shit Dude, like i sometimes i need i, I have cargo shorts on you know why because i have a lot of shit i got my keys <laughs> I got some money. I got some gum. The other know? day, I was, the other day, I was in my car singing at the top of my lungs, and these girls pulled up. And usually, I would have been like, oh, "Stop singing! I'm a fucking idiot." You know, I was like, "Na na na na," singing as loud as I could. What is the song you're singing? I was singing a new song by Springsteen called "Death to Our Hometown." Whoa, you just went deep. I sure did, guys. You told me you had some sort of religious experience at a Springsteen uh, show. I had, and I'm not joking. I went and saw him. He's 62. I've seen Springsteen, let's call it, because I'm on the podcast and I want to exaggerate 30 times. It's probably closer to 15. And, uh, <laughs> and he's 62. And, uh, well, he's never been better. He's writing songs on a level that he's just as good as anything he's ever done. And, you know, everybody else, the Rolling Stones, you see, it's a revival tour. They're just singing the same thing, yeah. the Eagles. This guy's still producing on a level that he was producing at when he was 24 years old. It's amazing. It, he's more than amazing because he, he literally, and, and this, it, it, I was watching him, and, you know, I was literally having, this is going to sound really cheesy, but I'm a huge fan of his. I became an actor because of him. I, I became a stand-up because of him. I listened to his songs because there was something in his voice. But for me, it was literally so overwhelming because he's so timeless. Like he's aligned with something, the dude. And it's because what motivates him is way more than, than his own appetites and what he wants to do. What motivates him is something much bigger than himself. And I don't know what that is, it's but probably you can just feel it. The love of all those people. He's got such a fanatical crowd. Oh, but it's also know? it's also though it's also about saying something, man. Yeah, you yeah know? but you the know? love of all those people that are responding to what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the intense connection that Springsteen has to his fans. It's because of, you know, like it's like Born to Run. There's there's songs that like people just you, you you hear that, and that's like that's oh. a, a slice of history. Go go to go to go read the lyrics of "Greetings from Asbury Park" yeah. and, and, and "Darkness on the Edge of Town," because what he was doing there was literally like he kind of almost invented a language that changed a lot of like the artistic landscape in New York, at least. You know, Sam Shepard was writing plays 
based on that album, man. No you know? one has ever got rid of a chick that was a problem in his life and wrote a better song about it oh, than Springsteen fuck. did. The Brilliant she's Disguise. She's the one. She's the one. You ever hear that? I don't know that one, but he I know would, Brilliant he, Disguise. That that sh- I remember hearing that because I was like early twenties. When I when I heard that, and I was you know always in terrible relationships, always yeah. chaos. You just yeah. some some of them were, it, it just didn't work out because of you. Some of it was because of her. Some, but you you knew enough crazy people in your life at a certain point to realize that you could get fucked in a relationship. Oh, yeah. And when I saw that Bruce Springsteen got fucked, and then I realized I was like, oh, I see what happened. She was really hot, so she pretended to be something, and then he got close to her, and he got to know her, and she was right. kind of a cunt. Right. Re- go listen to. Uh, she's Jungle Land. Yeah. She's the one. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I know that song. Oh, yeah. Fuck man. I mean, and Backstreets. Yeah. Like Backstreets is about this. Like, and by the way, this is t- t- the, the the brilliant disguise is like fifteen years later. Oh, oh, forget. Oh my God. He's the, he. Not only is he prolific like that, he's given songs away to people like the Pointer Sisters and Patti Smith, and that was their biggest yeah. hit. Because when if you, there's a documentary called The Promise where he'd he'd been he Born Rome was the biggest album in the, the country and it was he was on the cover of Newsweek and Time magazine he was 24 years old and then he went to write The Promise I, I'm sorry he went to write uh, um, Darkness on the Edge of Town and they wanted him to write more of the stuff from Born to Run like that kind of that's what his fans wanted right and not only that he was writing hit songs and giving them away and Steve Van Zandt was like hit, writing hit songs is so fucking hard and he's giving them away and he comes into the studio and he goes well let's see what we're gonna throw away today and you see Steve Van Zandt go please don't throw that song away please don't it's so perfect please and he's like it doesn't fit in the album it just, just doesn't fit in the album and he was so uncompromising they said what drove you he said I wanted to be great because I knew I had it inside me and I wanted to be great and, and I wanted to do something that nobody else, I just didn't want to do anything derivative. And, and, I, and I talked to him, uh, I talked to him for an hour and a half about songwriting, which is kind of exciting. And I, Where and was I, this? I went backstage a long time ago with Jeremy Piven. And, uh, and I, spe- I literally talked to him about stand-up and about writing songs for an hour and a half. It was just me, him, Jeremy, his wife, and my buddy Anthony Tambacus, wow. who's going to be my next guest on the Brian Callen pod, uh, the Brian Callen Anthony show. Anthony Tambacus? Yeah, he wrote Warrior. Oh. And he's just we had a Warrior great, was a good movie. Yeah, dude. that movie did not get nearly enough respect. It, it really did. I, w- I was surprised. No, it was. My it wife was, loved it. It's a great movie. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah. The, the only unrealistic thing is that they fought two days in a row. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have to do that. Right. That that could have been worked out. Well, because Anthony and, and Gavin, who's the director, and they wrote it. They they they're not. They don't know yeah. a lot about fighting. That's yeah. all. They were, they were more concerned obvious. with the story, you know. Yeah, but but it was still good. Yeah, it was still good, but even though that that was kind of nonsensical. It was still still a very, right. It's a very good movie. It's and a great movie. God damn, Nick Nolte's a motherfucker. Oh my god, he's a motherfucker. That dude just showed up and just did that and did oh that take god. fifty times. Like oh literally, there's god. like, what do you? What else do you want, guys? Oh my god! If people don't know what we're talking about, there's a breakdown scene. Nick Nolte's a recovering alcoholic. He was a terrible father, and he he basically gave birth to these two savages that meet in the finals of this MMA tournament. Which, by the way, is a very accurate statement for many fighters. There's yeah. a lot of fighters that grew up broken homes, fucked up households. You know, a lot of a lot of fighters grew up, you know, in 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 dire straits as youngsters from some asshole father. That, and a lot of those asshole fathers even wind up teaching those kids at first, just like his dad did in this movie. So mm. it was really accurate. Like the the way they did it, it wasn't didn't seem fake. The interactions, like what's that dude's name? Tom. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. What he's, a bad motherfucker. And he's he English is. too. He's yeah. from England. But his interactions with the father were so, it was so realistic. It was so believable. Well, Anthony Anthony had a very um doesn't talk to his dad. You know, he had a very very tough 
childhood with his father. His father was not. This is the guy who wrote it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of personal Anthony, shit. Anthony, what's his last Tam name? Bacchus. Tam Bacchus. We just did yeah. a podcast, and he was so, it was so much fun to talk to him about art and about what's important, and he's just one of those fucking guys who really. I'll tell you what, he nailed that movie, because yeah. that's, a, that's a tired genre. Yeah. It's the martial arts champion, though the good guy's going to rise above and do it for his kids. And right, woo. right. It's a tired genre, and yeah. he, he really connected. Yeah. And it was really good. It, it, was, it sucked, man. I, I was really bummed out that movie didn't get nearly as much attention as it deserved. Is it, yeah. Is it out yet on DVD or anything? I think yeah, it is. For a while, it was the number one DVD in the country. It's a good fucking movie, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, like I said, the only thing that bothered me is the non realism about the. Uh, you can't, two, if you tried to fight two days in a row, your whole face would be swollen, your, your yeah. hands, you wouldn't be able to close your hands. Yeah. You it's, can't do it. You can't fight two days in a row. It's too hard. It's hard to fight more than once in a day. I've done it. The last kickboxing tournament, I fought three times in one day. It's stupid. Yeah, it's it's it happens well, you all know, the time. Wrestling, in, in wrestling tournaments. Wrestling, yeah, sure. we used to wrestle more than you know. Like if you went to like a a tournament, sometimes it was two days long, or mm-hmm. even it was one day long. You a lot of times you wrestle at least three times. Yeah, totally. You know? But the only problem times. was there's no head contact in wrestling, and the yeah. head contact in 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 kickboxing and in MMA, yeah. like that's why you can't do it two days in a row. You just can't. No you, way. You, you know, you get rocked the the first day. The next day, you need fucking rest, man. You you can't be go getting. It's getting actually really dangerous too again. if you have sure. a, if you have a mild concussion, you get hit again. A lot of guys get concussed and still win. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. They get concussed and make it to the final uh, round, and the final round ends. They go back to sit in their corner, and the the the, the you know the corner will tell them the fight's over. That happened recently with Alex Caceres. Mm. He got head kicked. I think I believe it was in the second round. He got head kicked, and at the end of the third round, he couldn't believe the fight was over. He's like, "What are you talking about? The fight just started." He goes, they go, wow. no, it's over. He, he goes, like, come on, man. You guys are playing with me. Did he win? Uh, no, he did not. He yeah. lo- I believe he lost a decision. It was That's a really close fight. It was a crazy fight. And he actually came back from getting head kicked and was doing really well. It was really amazing. It was... He just got hit with a really hard shot, and that's just part of the game. You know, the, the human head is... What's it, what's it doing to you that you're ringside for all that violence? I'm really numb to it. It's really strange. I've seen, like, street fights, like, up close and personal. Uh-huh. You know, like, I've seen shit go down, like, right in front of me. It's no my, big deal. My heart doesn't even skip a beat. It's uh-huh. like everything's moving in slow motion. Yeah. It's real weird. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've gotten so used to watching people beat the fuck out of each other. On a like, high when, level, like the yeah, highest level. Yeah, the highest level in the world. Yeah. From feet away and and then calling it yeah. you know and you know and, and it's an an honor to do really i really say that and you know people say it sounds it almost sounds kind of like a false statement it's no like when you, you say it's an honor but it's one of those things that where the, the word honor doesn't get used it's it gets judiciously kind of tossed out it's actually sometimes. it's actually used i don't think it's used enough Honor is something when a man talks about honor, it's like, oh, you're old fashioned and stuff. But honor is very important. It's a very important word. It's very and important. And a sacred word. It's of. very important. That's why, you know, if I'm if I'm doing any sort of commentary on it, if I'm, I'm I, I I feel like I have this massive obligation to say exactly what I think is going on. If this guy, you know, why I think this guy is getting hit with this sort of, sort of shot, mm. why he's moving in certain directions, and it gets to the point sometimes where fighters will think that I'm being disrespectful. And well, I don't know if that's true because I've never I've had, seen. I've had okay. conversations with dudes, uh, yeah. and I got to tell them, I'm like, good man, I'm just critical. If I can see it, it's there. Yeah. If I can see a hole, it's there. It doesn't mean you can't win with that hole, but if I see a hole, it's there. And if you get mad at me because I'm pointing out a hole in your game, that doesn't. That's silly. Yeah. You shouldn't. I'm not criticizing you. I'm, I'm looking at the whole thing as a mathematical proposition, and right. I'm saying here's an entry. 
Here's an entryway, and here's here's the issue with this you, this one particular had, attack. Yeah, you've always had enormous respect for fighters, and one of the things that I think that you're so good at, and a lot of people have said this, is you take yourself completely out of the equation. That's a very hard thing to balance, actually, because when you're calling a fight, and you have to be, you have to call if you you know you know fighting, you've been watching it, you you know for many years now, and you've been doing it, you, you do see where there's a hole, and so the balancing act is calling that, but not. Not saying, well, I would have done something different. You're always very careful about that, you know? That's the grossest thing that anybody ever does when they do commentary. Oh, well, oh, if I was me, I would go in there and hit him with the left, you right, got no and just idea. put him away. You got no idea what it's like, you know? It's gross when I hear commentators. Not, not, it doesn't happen very often with MMA commentators, but with these prognosticator-type characters that make predictions on fights. I don't think he's going to be able to handle, and they'll use, like, numbers. Like, I don't think he's going to be able to handle a 2-3. You yeah. know, when he shoots the double and can't handle that 2-3. Like, yeah. what? But yeah, that's that that kind of bananas. You like you're gonna predict the future talk. Like stop. I'll tell you something. That I had an experience though. My buddy Kieran Gallagher, who's a stunt man, but a lot of guys who who are real MMA guys know know who he is because he came out of uh, University of Arizona, uh, Arizona State, I think, and uh, uh, was high level like uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu from Higa Machado's, and uh, was a pro boxer. By the time he was in college, he had 24 pro fights as a boxer. And really knows his stuff, and he's been teaching me. Like, just he's got all kinds of crazy tricks. And I watched the last fights with him. I watched. I, I was with him, and I was with a group of people. I got witnesses, like Will Sasso, there and stuff. The dude not only called every fight, but he was gonna. He told me what was gonna happen before they would do it. Like, oh, here comes a single leg. Here come, it was so amazing. And I said, dude, Kieran, you called every single fight, and not only that, you told me what was happening before. He goes, I've been doing that for ten years. But he knows the game that well. But you'd never know it. He's just a stuntman now, and you know Damn, he's got to he should he's probably do commentary for somebody. Dude, he's he's not. That's not his personality. He's not going to do that. He'll just you know. Yeah, but if somebody know, if you you know the guy, oh, why don't a, you hook him up with somebody? Hook him up with like shark fights or something. Oh, Maybe dude, the guy I, would uh, he's, wind he's, up being an awesome commentator. He's uncanny. He's one of those guys who's really intelligent. Like he's a stuntman. I, I know he's a high level. He was a high level. Why fighter. don't you talk him into doing it, dude? Man. He's he's also read every book. We, I started mentioning books with Anthony, who's a writer who wrote a novel. He starts mentioning like everybody from Charles Bukowski to Kerouac to fucking Norman Mailer. He's read them all. He read more than I have. I go, what the fuck? I go, have you read all these books? He goes, I read everything, dude. I mentioned an obscure book called, uh, called Extreme Fear that Sam Sheridan recommended that I'm that reading now. Fascinating. He goes, yeah, I read it. What? What the fuck are you talking about? And he starts giving me a critique about it. I was like, you the know. Stuntmen have a lot of free time, I think. He's got a lot of free time. Sometimes you like. But he's also a really special, smart guy. Like, I, I, like, he's a genuine friend. Like, he's just a really, really smart guy. But, I mean, yeah. like, when you're on a set, like, there's a, a lot of times, like, especially, like, I don't know if the Fear Factor set was, it was indicative of how it would be in a movie. Like, stunt guys in a movie set. But there's a lot of downtime. There's a, a lot, lot of times where they're setting things up. And there's a lot he's of. Also, he's also one of the few stuntmen who, who was a really, actually, a professional fighter and still rolled with Olympians and still fucking has an MMA gym, you know. Why don't you talk this guy into doing commentary, man? It I, seems like, look, a lot of people probably don't think that it could be possible. That's why they don't want to do right. it. They don't think that it could be real. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't even think about it. This doesn't even pop in their head. But if the guy knows that much, is he entertaining to talk to? Yeah, he's really, really smart. Then know? get. The, it sounds like he's perfect. Somebody hire him. He's probably better than me. <laughs> <Go get. laughs> Nobody's better than you. Tell the UFC. Nobody's better guy. than you, my friend. Uh, yeah. That's not true. That's ridiculous. Anybody I don't know anybody's better than you. Well, 
I love, and I think Mike Goldberg's unbelievable too. I he's think great. He's, I think he's unbelievable. He's, he's a great he's, dude. You guys too. are the perfect fucking combination. Well, Goldberg's a good dude. You know, one yeah. of the, the the good things about like working with him, I I enjoy that guy. I enjoy his company. Yeah, you so told me that hanging before. Out. He's you a nice guy, me. man. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, he's always nice. He's always hugging everybody and always friendly. Yeah, he's a sweet, positive guy. Yeah. You know, so I I like being around him, and he's fucking good. He's he's a great play by play guy, man. He's smooth as fuck. He knows how to he keep really the, the he's whole poetic. Machine. He's really poetic. Yeah. Like he's like a really people critique him. Yeah. They criticize him, but you're you're criticizing like one or two weird things that he might have said while we're free balling for fucking hours at a time, six hours at a time, several times a month. Jesus. You know, you got to realize, like, look, man, you're going to find some stupid shit that everybody says if you look at it for that long. Speaking of free balling, I just did the Adam Carolla podcast. Yeah. He's so unbelievable at coming up with, like, one premise and, and just being fucking hilarious. When he was on the podcast, I credited you as to saying that he's, like, the best guy at improvisation. And, and I've like never seen anything like with, it. Coming up with, like, a whole rant on a set. Like, a, the best rant guy. And, like, real and yeah. real bits. Like, literally, yeah, like, become bits. I'm like, uh, like I, I said, do you ever do stand-up? He goes, nah. I go, you have five hours of well, fucking material. Now. He's doing stand-up now. I don't know. He's, he does, I, well, he does, the, he does the podcast, which is stand-up in front of an no, audience. No, no, he's doing stand-up. Oh, he really? was doing, yeah, yeah, he was doing regular stand-up. Huh. He, uh, he did a show at the Irvine Improv, and um, it was uh, one of, uh, I did one of his uh, live podcasts, which I liked, but I, I don't like as much mm. because it's just, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. When you're, when you're, li- well, they're looking to be funny. They're yeah. just looking, they're, they're I, looking to be silly. Well, I felt like, it's not even that. It's, I felt like, why am I even talking? I should be doing stand up right now. I shouldn't right. be sitting here talking. There's 300 people that want to laugh their ass off. And I can do that. I can get you to laugh. Yeah. But let's just do stand up, you yeah. know? But, I didn't want him putting my stand up on the internet yeah. because it was like, this is all stuff that I was going to put in my next album. Right. I was like, I don't, you know, you can't just put that on your podcast. <laughs> right. That's like Byron Allen. That, yeah. uh, you know, you ever see that show he did called, um, Co- comics sit down, yeah, comics whatever. unleashed. Meanwhile, I get there. Comics unleashed. I get there and I go, wait a minute, you want me to do, you're paying me 150 bucks or whatever it is to do. Like your like act, my act, twenty minutes of my act. <laughs> nah, yeah, no thanks. Fuck? I'm not doing that. And it gets they could fucking probably sell it in syndication. And, oh, you know? sure. He's like, hey, he yeah, gives you like it, a. Yeah. He goes, they own it, right? Yeah. Like he'll be like, hey, what's up with your hair? He prompts you, and then you go into your bit. And I'm watching guys oh, give. I'm watching guys give up twenty minutes. It took them like fucking three years. I'm like, <laughs> you out of your fucking mind? Well, the worst is there. There's some shows, I'm sure, where they own that material now, and you're not allowed to repeat that material. You know, if you do it, I'm I'm sure there's oh, contracts yeah. that if I don't know what. Well, shows actually, they would though, do. I, I just my thing on Showtime, they 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 were there's like they had some stipulation, but I was able to do stuff on. I just did Comedy Central's mashup, where I have to rear up on a horse. By the way, did I mentioned that. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I'll be. Um, I believe if you, they're going to take my stand-up bit where I rescue a bunch of women on horseback and they're surrounded by wolves. It's called the Wolf Whisperer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I talk about really heavy shit with my stand-up. But but um, uh, but how gonna, come your gonna, stand-up is so fucking silly and you're such a? When I talk I to you, know. you're such an intense and serious guy. No, dude. Because yesterday I just did a fucking whole stand-up. I did 20 minutes on saving a whale. And they, <laughs> and they were fucking dying, and I love the bit. It's so funny. So, so what's wrong with it? You say that with like reluctantly. Nothing. Like I don't know. Bit? I just can't help it. I start thinking. Because it's silly. It's I sick. guess I just I I guess I just I start laughing at the idea of saving a fucking whale, and then I didn't save it, and I had to sit on its blowhole and kill it. And then, 
<laughs> no, because I didn't want it to die of dryness, so I had to sit on its blowhole. And uh, uh, anyway, but it was fucking retarded. But they loved it. So uh, you know, I don't know, dude. I, I uh, now I'm now my next hour that I'm working on is a little bit different. I'm dealing with larger motifs and larger Listen, larger ideas. motifs. You've been living in Venice too long, son. We need <laughs> to like get you the fuck out here to San Gabriel Valley. I gotta get. Did you hear that, Brian? What Mo- the fuck did he just say? Larger motifs. motifs. Did you understand that at all? You know what that is, guys. Sorry. If, if someone said that in front of you, would you get disgusted? <laughs> guys, sorry. I'm very educated. I'm highly educated. Highly educated, sophisticated, zip up boots. Can't help myself. Got it all. It is guys, weird. Seeing I'm a reader. You hang, it is weird seeing you hang out with different people though, because it seems like certain people you act different. You know, like you're more sillier when you're with Delia. You mean I'm a ca- you mean I'm a chameleon? Yeah. You yeah. mean like my sister who calls me the chameleon? Right. You know what my buddy Anthony Tambaka <laughs> said about me? He goes, you know, Brian walks. If Brian walks, uh, takes a walk with seven Cherokees, when he, uh, you know what comes back? Eight Cherokees. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck. Shut up. It's true, though. I right? had to be that way as a kid. I yeah. had to blend in with my move, moved every but two fucking years. But you're also very unique. I mean, it's yeah. not like, you know, you're, you're very unique. Well, I but appreciate it. I try to be. I mean, oh, you, you not like short are. bus unique either. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a unique dude. But yeah, um, you and I always uh, wind up with caveman conversations. Yeah. You and I always go fucking right to the, the bottom of the man's soul. It's what we think about. Violence and s- sexuality and you know all this fucking society's an illusion. And you what know happens what? when it crumbles down? That fucking guy's going to fall apart. <laughs> but that's what I, you're, you and I have always had this friendship where like, like where no matter what, if we're lying to each other, like if we're just, we're like, we just don't want to deal with the truth right now. We'll just start saying something like, like I, I would be like, I really love her. And he'd be like, Hey, who are you fucking talking to? <laughs> no, you don't. I'm like, but I live with her. Yeah. So what? You don't love her. Break up with her immediately. You know, you, I could never get away. We can never really get away with like lying to each other. Well, you know, you were just too good of a friend to have these crazy girls you were dating. And when I say crazy <laughs> girls, f- folks, I'm not a invasive sort of a, a, a friend when it comes to friends, girlfriends. Like yeah. Brian can tell you, I'm I'm usually pretty supportive, right? What yeah. you say, Brian? Crazy yeah. Girls. Oh yeah, absolutely. And right. I date a lot of crazy girls. And also. he's dated a lot of crazy so, girls. And but my so fun and bad. But my take on it was always just be sweet to them, be yeah. nice to them. Yeah. Fuck the shit out of them, and if they leave, they leave. Right. You know, that's how you go. But right. with you, you had a totally different kind of crazy. I, I developed an addiction. You had a fascination with girls who were gigantic problems. Yeah. Brian's girls are sweet girls. Yeah. They just, what happens in life? You take a left when you should have taken a right. right. You get stuck. You can't pay your rent. There's a lot of shit that happens to people in sure. life. So he's dealing with essentially sweet girls that go down a bad track. Right. You're dealing with fucking crazy people. Where you, could, where you could lose your fucking house. Oh, not just lose your and house, your lose life. your life. Right. You had he had a few of them, man, where he would bring over like it was it was like Joe Lewis's bum of the month club. <laughs> he was bring, bring over all these new silly bitches that he was dating. One of them I called bunch of naps. That's <laughs> yeah, <was> the greatest. <laughs> that was she, the greatest. She came over, I met her. She right? lived she on cookies. Over, yeah, she comes over and I go, that chick. Needs, looks like she needs a bunch of naps, right? And then t- 10 minutes into hanging out at my house, oh my God, I'm so tired. She takes her shoes off and curls up on the cat. couch. She was a fucking cat. Yeah, she, it was, I, I, I literally, she was like having a, owning a high-tech pet. She was so strange. Was like, Look, she's my pet. It was so strange. I have yeah. never met like uh, a more cat-like human being. Right. I've never met a person who just like had no desire to have an intelligent conversation, just wanted to take naps. Well, I, I talked to this guy, this, this fucking, I talked to this awesome dude who's a, who's a, like a well-known, um, like, uh, uh, like a, a psychiatrist, got his PhD, he's a really smart guy, and he said, a lot of times people in relationships, like he works with a lot of like couples and stuff like that, and, and addicts and stuff, he's got, and he said a lot of times what human beings do is we um, apply 
a construct on someone. So you'll find somebody that looks the part and then you just apply a construct. You just go, oh, that's who you are. You're this girl. You really the, like to work out. Yeah, you're the J. Crew girl on, 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 on a fucking, on the front of a sailboat. That's what I want to date. Meanwhile, the girl's like, I'm from fucking Michigan. I've never been on a sailboat in my fucking life and I like to do drugs every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You know? Why were you trying to construct that, that sort of a, a, a really non-realistic reality though? I don't know. All the time. I don't know. I because don't it really wasn't like, it was really strange. It's like, that's the kind kind of behavior that you get from people that have a hard time meeting girls but you had no problem meeting yeah. girls yeah. it wasn't that at all you were not shy no. you were always charming yeah. and you're always funny right. so i mean i can't remember a time where you're like dude i can't meet girls yeah, i'm just no. tired of being alone yeah. it was never that it was it was you you know for whatever reason would wind up getting connected I get the crazy to the, girl like the, that. they were so nuts dude that i was trying to figure out i spent many an hour by myself yeah. thinking about about you after many of our <laughs> crazy adventures thinking about you going how did this happen how did this guy get to this state of mind where he lets this person in his life and then he can't see that I don't right. understand that I don't because know. when I'm hanging out with you I'm like here is this insightful intelligent objective self-deprecating guy who's really well read yeah. and yet he's hanging around with legit meth heads right you were hanging around with like scary people that yeah. were like I don't know I really don't know what that was I, I I think part of it was just, um, I think what it was, was I'd go, oh, that's a project and I can save that person. Yeah, I think that was A lot, a lot of that was, I found that very intriguing where I'd say, you know what, all you need is someone like me to change your life and I know how to help you. And it took me a long time to realize that that is the dumbest shit you can ever do for anybody. <laughs> I mean, that's a dead fucking end. Oof. You never want to do that shit. My goodness, it is. You know, you never want to do that because you can't, you know, my father said something interesting to me the other day. He said, look, you want to give advice to a kid? Very different. Don't ever get advice ever, ever to an adult, even if, even if they can use it. Never do it. I said, yeah, but I, the guy, he's headed toward a wall. He goes, that's right. They know they're headed to a wall. Never. This is your dad. Yeah, and he said, "Why doesn't your dad do a talk show?" I, I gotta get him on my. <laughs> yeah, you get him on the podcast. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's the greatest. Does Dude, he live here? He's get amazing. Him on your pod. Why don't you get? A, can I Park go on City. it? Can I go on with your dad? Oh, that'd be great. Please. Well, he's a great guy to talk to about politics, about the state of the fucking world. I would love about to talk everything because he's been to. in a hundred countries. Oh Jesus! He's going to Christ. Italy right now to, to brush up on his Italian. <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing that? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to Rome for three weeks. Wow, he he was the greatest. He said, uh, uh, he's like, uh, we were talking about like having a, you know, when when you're with a woman, you want to be able to talk to her, and sometimes you can. He goes, talk to her. Why would you want to talk to her? I've been married to your mother for fifty years. I don't want to talk to her. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Go to work. Go to fucking work. He's stupid. He, he's so great. He's such a bottom bottom line guy, and and has read everything but is also just a, a real man you know a real a real fun sounds guy. like a fun guy to talk to he's, the he's world the needs more of those i call him every day when i need when i when really? i want to talk about something in the news or you, talk about just do you, do you get crazy with him how deep do you go in the rabbit hole as deep as it gets really you with go, that guy you can go all the way in the rabbit hole with oh him my like God. personal secrets fuck yes anything huh fuck yes wow. and 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 be careful by the way cuz he'll fucking he'll 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 smell you he'll smell, he'll smell you lion oh he'll my smell god you back. smell you go how about this <laughs> how about this i'll give you a great story ready watch this my buddy comes in i swear to god i'm with my dad we're in my office my buddy comes in he just happened to be around cuz he was going to you know he just comes out and he goes hey Brian, how you doing 
I go, hey, you know, let's say his name is Jeff. I go, hey, Jeff, what's up? And he goes, not much. How you doing? I go, I'm good. And he goes, all right, man. Uh, well, I'm just gonna say, he says a couple words, and he goes, hey, hey, Mr. Cal, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Yeah. And, and he just leaves. And my my father my father goes, what's that guy do? And I go, oh, he's he's a writer. My father said, oh, I suspect that's not gonna work out for him. <laughs> and, and I go, and I go, how did you know that? And he goes, pattern recognition. I've been around. I'm 71 years old. That's how. Pattern recognition. Pattern recognition. So he's like that guy from the Bill St- Ben Stiller movie where he has like the human lie detector on. That's that's what he can read you in a heartbeat, dude. He can read. He can see you walk across the street. He knows your whole fucking life. Okay. Then again, how the fuck are you so bad at that? Well, I'm actually good at it. I choose to ignore it. Really? Yes. I, the, the, actually, I think I'm I'm very good at it. But when I see a project, oh, I go, I hey. I need to help you. So you yeah. almost, you, well, there was a self-destructive aspect to you uh, that that, yes. that always disturbed me being your friend. Yeah. That's what would, would drive me nuts, mm-hmm. you know? Because it was a distraction, and it right. hurt me. It hurt my career, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it, it hurt my career, and it hurt my relationships with people that were significant in my life, and yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of that self-sabotage, we all go through that stuff. Mm-hmm. You go through it, man. You way less than, than anybody I knew, actually. You were always very good at cutting out the fat. And I kept it because I, I wanted an excuse maybe to, uh, you know, it was like a parachute. You know what I mean? I think um, there's very few reasons in life to give yourself more problems. And if you can find all your own problems and address them and try to deal with all your own problems... And be real honest about that. Then it makes it really easy to see other people's problems. But I found that in my life, when I wasn't being honest with myself about my own problems, when I had issues, when I had unresolved things in my mind, just when I was a real young man, I was still growing up and trying to get over my fucked up childhood, I found it much more difficult for me to see problems in other people. Because of the, the shield that I put on recognizing my own issues, mm. I wasn't as intuitive or insightful mm. when it came to recognizing other people. As I got older and I became as honest as is humanly possible, mm. which is how I am now, um, now, then it became where I just see it everywhere. That became really obvious. That's what I have now become obsessed with. And, and that's why I don't suffer fools anymore like yeah. that. That's why, because what I'm, what I'm very interested in is figuring out, I want to stay as undiluted as I can. And as authentic, when I was watching Springsteen, what I, what the word that kept popping into my head was just authentic. He's never lying. It's everything about him, the way he dresses, the way uh, uh, everything about it. And nothing is in his way. There's no resistance. That's mm-hmm. why he can do a backbend and touch his head at 62. Wow. Why he can literally backbend. He, he went all the way back and hit his head. He can, he can what? run. He's 62. That's amazing. On stage? He did on this? stage on oh a backbend at 62. And I went and I went, that guy's so out of his own way. You know, I've said this before, maybe on the podcast, but it's one of my favorite metaphors that Michelangelo said when he was I carving. Like how you say his name. Uh, Michelangelo. When Michelangelo. when Michelangelo. Sorry, guys, I speak Italian. When Michelangelo. Uh, sorry, there are no girls here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. When Michelangelo uh, said uh, when he carved the David, the statue of David, uh-huh. and he had this piece of marble, and he said, and this is a great metaphor for art. He said, it's already in there. I just have to get all this shit out of the way. And he said, that's how you should look at yourself as a human being. You're born and you acquire a lot of shit as you're, as you're growing up, 
right? So yes. as you grow up, a lot of shit's put on you. Uh, your family, uh, how they define you, what they what they do to you, uh, p- school, high school, the trauma of school, the grief you go through. You know, your body isn't what you wanted, the the losses and stuff, and you put on a lot of stuff. You 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 come to the world when you're ready to you know, take it on at thirty with a whole lot of fucking baggage, and a lot of it's negative. Uh, you know, and the the job then is to figure out a way to get that stuff off you to shed that stuff and get back to who you really are the authentic you and that to me is at least as a comic and as somebody who writes and stuff that's that's all i think about now you know what is what is how honest can i truly be with my expression even if i'm being silly and like talking about saving a whale there's a lot of me in there that i'm i'm talking about Mm. you know and especially now the stuff that i'm working on now just you know being a father and things like that and that responsibility and what that really means and 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 uh with my daughter and and not being able to show a par- her a part of me uh and and who who I want she's going to model the men she dates after me so I got to be a fucking I got to be the I got to be her hero I got to be the guy that she actually I don't want her dating the guy I used to be you know what I mean so right. th- there's all those responsibilities that you start taking on as you get older. But so much of that is, and so much of fucking thought, you know, I got to think they, they act like it's an a, a active process. Thinking and being creative is actually learning what not to think about because the rest of it comes to you. It, there's, that, that's, a, that's a real philosophy. If you can open yourself up and think of thinking as being more of a channel for what's available to you. That, that's a very important distinction. This notion that, that, see, a lot of people come and say, well, I'm missing something. I'm missing something that I have to add to my arsenal. No. In fact, what you're probably doing is there's, there's something you've got to let go of. And when you let go of that, you'll get what you're looking for or you'll find it. That, that's, a, that's a fundamental difference in thinking about things. And I think a lot of times we're taught, hey, you, you're missing something. You've got to add to your, your you've got to put another arrow in your quiver. In fact, you might have the, 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 a better better advice may may be to say, you got to let some stuff go, man. You're holding on to some stuff. You got to let some stuff go. You're still defining yourself along lines that are not helpful to you. You're still you still have people in your life that are not your friends, even though they seem like they are. You still have um, you're still doing a job um, that you hate because it's an excuse to not do not go for what you really want. There are a lot of things that you should be deleting. You should be taking out of your life. And, and, and then there will be room for something that's much better. That's a, that's a very, it's a scary way to think of it, but I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think that that is something that is uh, given enough voice to. It's definitely something when I get older, I, I feel myself doing that. Just like deleting shit out of your life that, that constantly bugs you. And, and sure. like if it's people or friends or, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things I've been running into lately is just like how many people that, that I, I keep in like like almost a book like hey this person's my friend this person's my friend but then actually going through it I'm like why am I f- friends with this person yeah. there's a million other people that want to be my friend that I could just start hanging out with and that could just take this place and this person's positive yeah. you know yeah well look watch when people go into a room like a lot of times my mother will go into a room and find all everything that's dangerous in a room she'll look at the world and and try to she, she can see a whole bunch of things that are dangerous how many times you watch people talk to their kids and say be careful might break your arm careful of that don't do that you, you, you're always putting restrictions on people mm-hmm. now you got to do that to an extent with children of course but we grow up with that with that um that kind of guidance and a lot of times 
they mean well, but it's the wrong guidance. It's getting in your way, you know? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely patterns that people can set down early in their life and then continue to follow those patterns and have them not be productive at all. It's a real dangerous thing about human beings that we operate in patterns. And once a pattern has been established, even if it's completely ridiculous, we'll follow it. Mm. Whether it's circumcision or whether it's cutting holes in your lip to stretch it out to put a yes. plucking plate mm-hmm. in it like those mm-hmm. crazy women in Surrey. Mm-hmm. They, why do they do that? Well, they, because a pattern's been established and mm-hmm. they just fall right into it. And it can get real weird, man. It can, there can be patterns for cannibalism, the semen tr- ingesting tribes of New Guinea. Do you know mm-hmm. about all that? Yep. How yep. fucking nutty is that? If you don't know the, the story behind that. Just look up Semen Tribes New Guinea, and there's no way we could delve into how fucking unbelievably bizarre and twisted it is. But there's a whole tribe, and not just one, but hundreds of them, that live in New Guinea that... They, they're feeding kids sperm. Mm-hmm. They're, in, they're making them suck their dicks and they're fucking them in the ass to mm-hmm. make these kids grow older. And they even, in fact, believe, some of them believe that the only way that a child develops semen is it has to be planted in his body by fucking him in the ass. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I and, mean, and, how did that pattern get going? History is riddled with those kinds of crazy, you know, I mean, Charles Taylor... One of the one of the slogans I just was listening to NPR. Charles Taylor was the president of Liberia, and there was yeah. they, they had. I mean, Charles Taylor when he came to power, he took uh, what's his name uh, go. They made him eat. They made the guy eat his own ears, and they videotaped it. Right? What? They, yeah. Then they killed him. They they the, the when they when he overthrew that government, uh, Samuel Doe, who was the pre, I believe the current president of of Liberia, he and his henchmen. Charles Taylor was a military guy. I think a major in the army or a general, and they, they had him on a plane, and they, they staged the coup out on the plane, and before they killed him, they made him eat his own ears. Wow. They, made, it, a, they d- made him on Dwayne Rock Johnson? Because he was a, you know, a bad guy, and they made him eat his, eat his own ears, and I think another part of his body. And then they, uh, and then they, I think they actually, then they castrated him and let him bleed out. Oh, but, Jesus. But the point is that he was a ruthless guy. And, and he's, he's the one who said to Fode Sanko, who in Liberia. They let him bleed out on a plane? Yes. What a puddle that must have been. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know all the details, but it was a very brutal way of coming to power. And Charles Taylor was a sociopath, just, just convicted in The Hague, by the way, just convicted for war crimes and crimes yeah. against humanity. But he was the one who said to Fode Sanko, who was the, the warlord in Sierra Leone, he said, you have to brutalize the people so badly that they have no other choice but to vote you in because they're, so, they're too afraid not to vote for you. And that was, that was Fode Sanko who used to go from town to town and said, if you voted, if you voted for the government currently, we're going to cut all your hands off. And he'd cut everybody's hands off. Oh, my God. Nice guy. And, and what, what Charles Taylor, Charles Taylor said, what, what the, one of the slogans when he was running for president was, you killed my mother, you killed my father, but I'm still going to vote for you. And it worked for him. It worked for him. That's how insane, that's how insane a mind indoctrination can become if somebody is vicious enough to do it or manipulative enough. There was an, uh, an ancient Japanese story that Duncan told me about uh, uh, a king or an emperor who uh, hired someone to keep his concubines in line. He hired uh, uh, this uh, this famous military advisor to keep his concubines in line. Mm. Concubine is a prostitute. Prostitute. Everybody. So he said, if you can if you can keep my concubines in line, then surely you can run my army. So mm. what the guy did is he stepped up and he said, uh, he clapped his hands and he said, "Listen to me, I'm going to say move to the left and you move to the left. Ready?" And he claps his hands. They move to the left, but a couple of them move to the right. And some of them don't do anything. So he says it. I'm going to say it one more time. 
I'm going to clap my hands. And when I say move to the left, you all move to the left. So he does it again and again. Half of them don't pay attention. So he takes the emperor's favorite concubine. He brings her in front of everyone and he cuts her fucking head off. Jesus Christ. And the emperor tries to stop him. The emperor runs in and he goes, no, no, not her, not her. She's my favorite. He goes, no. He goes, you cannot win a war if you're not willing to do what must be done. Right. And he goes, this is what must be done. <laughs> Cuts her fucking head off and everybody. And then he claps his hands and he said, when I say move to the left, you move to the left. Jesus Christ. And they fucking fell in line, man. Yeah. Everyone fell in line. Yeah. They knew that that was his favorite one. That's why he took the favorite one and cut her head off. Right. Because there's certain things you have to do if you want to run shit. Right. And that's one. And this is a, that was, you know, a true military move. Well, what's interesting about that's how that's how every society was ruled, especially with the Romans. The Romans basically in this book Extreme Fear, the Romans literally just trained their army in constant warfare. Their training was constant and they kept and they and their battles were as simulated they, their training was as close to reality as they could simulate. They were a very hard group. One of the reasons being when you want if you if you want to be ready for combat, you know, you know this from MMA, you you better be you better be training like in in situations that mimic combat yeah. as close <clears throat> as you can. We all know this. But but uh, one of the things that's interesting about that way of ruling, which was always by the sword and with extreme measures, was that the political experiment that happened in this country 250 years ago in Philadelphia, the drafting of the Federalist Papers and the Constitution, was in fact completely the opposite. It was, it was the notion that, that in fact, um, you as a ruler were, were, were the servant of and for the people. And that was what was such a radical notion, this idea that there is not going to be a king, an all-powerful king. It's why when George Washington said, I don't want to be king. I am not a king. We are not going to have a king in this country. We're going to have a president who's voted in by the people. At that time, it was you know, white landowning people, but it was still a radical notion. It started, it, the kernels of that began in, in, in England where the, the, the king actually had to start being... Uh, listening to the parliament, but it was such a radical notion that you had a, a group of people that were not military, that didn't have guns, yet they had, they had the authority, um, the, the balancing power of the authority to, to make laws, to raise taxes, to pass taxes, but they were ultimately at the behest of the population they were serving. Never been done before. And what it gave rise to is the strongest, most innovative country in the world. In a lot of ways, if you talk to political philosophy, you know, people who are, who are political, you know, um, uh, um, people who make politics life, that, that experiment solved the political problem. They solved the political problem. No one ever argues about the, the fallibility of the Constitution. It's always a question of how you interpret it, but we always stay within the confines of the Constitution, which is kind of amazing, and, and and it's such a radical difference. Like that is how you control people. It is how you control people. Look at Russia. Russia's run by a group of ex KGB guys who are all military guys. Their one resource is oil. They have a lot of money. When was the last time you saw anything come out of Russia? like a car, like a computer, or even clothing. What innovation has ever come out of Russia? Nothing but minerals, nothing but oil. You know why? Because that kind of thinking, that kind of brutality, that kind of might makes right, actually, at the end of the day, makes a country weaker. Well, there was, it doesn't make <clears throat> it stronger. 
they were so good with uh, with rocketry though. It's a, it's amazing. They were amazing. They're amazing. amazing how they were innovators. Far ahead they were yes. when it came to the space race. It's really incredible. Oh, the, you mean the, the Soviets? Yeah, the Soviets. Yeah. And it's yeah. what's fascinating is also how their designs were parallel to like what Werner von Braun and NASA was doing, but yet different. Like different sort of setups with the rockets and like they had a little bit of a different thing though. The Soviets were first of all had a very rich tradition of. Uh, art and and literature and culture Mm -hmm. and they also you know back in the day communism for a lot of soviets a lot of russians was an ideal an idealistic was was an ideology they really believed in and so there was uh, for a long time a real communal effort there was this notion that we as a country are not only doing the right thing but we're going to beat the american the imperialists at their own game well they know? what i was going to say is they really are very innovative when it came to uh, certain aspects of technology, technology. Yeah. mike swick uh you know mike the uh, guy uh, out of san jose the fighter yeah ufc guy really good dude um was working in uh, a u.s embassy in Russia a long time ago mm-hmm. and he said they found like they would find like little hearing devices and shit that the Russians <laughs> had put yeah. into their their stuff to, l- to look at them and to listen right. in on them and one of them they found was powered by the swaying of the building they had never mm. seen anything like it you they know what like, they had to like back engineer this fucking thing and go like what if you look at though the Cold War and what won the war was the fact that the Soviets ultimately actually, from a technological point of view, first of all, they stole, remember, they stole from the, the, the Rosenbergs, uh, was that um, who, the guys that uh, were put to death by, I believe, Truman, um, the, the, the couple that sold the Soviets the weapon, the, the, the technology for the nuclear weapon. And really? This, yes. Is that so what the Soviets, it was? the Soviets got there, got there, got the, got the bomb from us. They, they through espionage. But having why, said why that, did I read some, sh- what did I read something about that being a, a bad decision? Well, well, the fact that, that we, Truman put them both to death, the, 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 what the hell is, I can't believe the I'm Rosenbergs. blanking. I can't believe I'm blanking on their name. Check your X-Flex. It's the, it's the Rosen, it's the, um, I can't believe I'm, it's Rosenberg or Ro- Rosenberg. Um, you got an iPad. It right was there. a, it was a couple that sold the Soviets the secrets, the secret to the bomb. And then that started the arms race. Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Yes. Thank yeah. you. And they were put to death for selling the Soviets their bomb. And the Soviets got a lot of their technology, not from within their own sort of, you know, their own laboratories, but from other lab of other places. And then, you know, worked on it. But, but one of the things that the Soviets lost, that, like, for example, their MiG fighter jets couldn't fly as high or as fast. You know why? They couldn't come up with the kind of steel when when you deal with fighter jets, it's all about like how how what kind of pre- temperature resistant steel you can come up with. That way, right. you can burn hotter. And our our F fourteens and F sixteens, F fifteens, or whatever could burn fuel at a much higher temperature without melting the metal, so we could fly higher and faster. Wow. They couldn't keep up with us. Have you heard uh, about this new thing that went? What is it? A hundred and eighty times faster than the speed of sound, Brian? What was this new uh, experimental craft that they had? I, I didn't hear. You, you didn't hear about this no. on Twitter? No, dude. It's what is some this? What new is this? NASA spacecraft that they've developed for. It's a drone right now, but it went a hundred thousand, uh, some insane miles per hour. Let me let me Fuck. let me give you the exact. Wow. Doesn't that, that this is what raises all kinds of questions? Did you see that cheetah? That fucking mechanical cheetah that they're going to put guns on? It runs like a cheetah. It runs yes. like. Uh, yes. I mean ro- robotics, the DARPA, the DARPA robot. Yeah. yeah, it's like transformers. Dude, robotics are are we're gonna have like all kinds of crazy shit. It raises a lot of questions, man. Well, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, like I in other find words, when we get that good at killing, what does that mean, right? I don't know. So that drone, that would be pretty much as fast as a bullet, wouldn't it? This or? fucking thing apparently went so fast that it, it peeled the skin off of it. What? Wow. Yeah, it, yeah. They 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 anticipated that the speed was going to peel some of it off, but apparently it peeled all of it off. Peel. Skin. Yet another, and yet that's another a device where where we're not going to need soldiers anymore. And my, that's my joke where I go, the war hero is going to in twenty years is going to be the chubby dude with huge thumb muscles, smells <laughs> like Doritos and weed because he's he's working toggle switches. Oh yeah, all day. well right. you, we, we, you know you think about how good guys get at video games where it's so frustrating to play them. Imagine if those guys are in control of like a, some sort of a death machine with no lag time. So that means Korea wins, right? It's Does a it hypersonic glider, it, and then wow. they're, what they're saying is the skin was peeled off by the speed of this fucking thing. This is a, this Jeez. is incredible. This is another DARPA project. DARPA, they're so well, scary. dude. You know, vi- video games Same are responsible. Thing. Video games are responsible for Top Gun fighter pilots and and for SWAT team guys. You get these sixteen year olds to come in and they can fly a plane after learning a little bit on the simulator as well as any Top Gun fighter pilot or shoot more accurately than the best sniper. You know why? They've been playing fucking gun video games and yeah. fighter pilots just since they were three years old. Yeah. So they just, they had that hand-eye coordination. Yeah, the, uh, the ability to aim at things. There, there was a shooting in a school where the kid shot eight kids in his classroom and none of the SWAT team, when they looked at the, the, what happened, he was shooting kids in the head as they were running and catching them in headshots, wow. squeezing them off. And they were like, we don't have anybody who can do that. I mean, that, that's kind of a physical impossibility. It's a lag thing. He, but the kid had been doing that. He'd been yeah. shooting whatever, you know. Internet. Yeah. So yeah. he, he was by the time he was sixteen, he was an expert with a with a gun. Oh. I wonder if there's going to be less car accidents because of video games for kids. Or I, I wonder, like, if you were to go back like ten years, if, like if, if they have better hand eye yeah. coordination. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, cars are also going to be communicating it's with a each physical other. Physical thing, though, you know, especially when you're shifting gears and yeah. stuff. So this thing uh, went twenty times faster than the speed of sound. What? Fast enough to fly from New York to Los Angeles in. 12 minutes. Hold on, I'm going to tell you how fast that is. 750 miles um, an hour is the speed of sound. It went for nine minutes. It, it flew. And apparently this thing could go, it can go from New York to L.A. in less than 12 minutes. My fucking God. What, what, what was that? It could go to New York to L.A. in less than 12 it's minutes. It's 2,000 times faster than the speed 20 of sound. 20 times the speed of sound. Okay, and you know how fast that is? That's 15,000 miles an hour. Wow. Actually, 13,000. 13,000 okay. miles an hour. That's yeah. what this thing is saying. Okay. The result gaps in speed. So know, it's actually a little less than 20 times. That, well, you know what? Actually, um, I think it's capable of more than that. I think what they're saying is at 13,000 miles an hour, the skin peeled off of it. <laughs> 13,000 miles an hour? Oh, my God. 13,000 miles in an hour? Christ. What are you talking about? Jesus Christ. Think about how fucking fast that thing would it, be. It flew to New York in how long? 12 minutes. From where? Well, it couldn't make it because it burnt to death in nine minutes. Yeah, it what's, fell the f- apart. what's the fuel? Adderall? I don't know. Adderall. <laughs> it's Coke. It runs on Coke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what if they found out that cocaine was like the best fuel ever? Well, in some ways it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you could use it to get to the moon, no For problem. For a little while it's a slow it is. Burn. For a little while you feel invincible. If you figured out how to put it into some sort of an engine that made a combustion, it's only possible with cocaine. And well, that's the, that's the thing is like trying to come up with like engine, like you know fuel that really 
is that way. I guess we are. Well, we, we're going to have to because it's going to run out of fucking oil. It's gonna. It might be 100 years from now. It might right. be 50 years yeah, from now. Yeah, but, but eventually. It looks like it's going to run the out. The cars are already running. I mean, I got a Prius. You, you don't even have a car, sir. <laughs> it's a dishwasher. A, a, a man who's so manly, why do you not have a Shelby Mustang? <laughs> because why don't I you like come it? with me? Come with me to the dealership. Let me tell you something. I don't think you know. I don't think you know. I don't think I think you're missing out because I don't think you've ever experienced. This is it. like you and I going to buy a game bread pit bull. Remember? You, well, yeah, I remember that very well. Very <laughs> you well. and I, the couple you of idiots, we go find this complete. You, you know how to dri- drive a stick shift, right? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna drive my GT3 when we get out of here. Okay. I'm gonna, you need, you have some money. You should get a fun car. I you don't even drive. have to floss. Get a goddamn Mustang GT or Ford Edge. Ford Edge is not not what I'm talking about. <laughs> a Mustang get a car. GT. What yeah, is they're it? fun. They're yeah. fun. It's a fucking big V8, 400 something horsepower. Yeah, but I drive too much. I gotta fill it up with gas all the time. So you go to the gas station. It sucks. It, it takes sucks. five minutes. Don't be a pussy. You know when you need gas. You don't need gas. Get yourself a goddamn manly car. You would love it. You know what you should get? All the time. Get a goddamn Dodge SRT8 Challenger. That's what fucking Dub Davidoff has. That's what I'm talking about. Horsepower. See, he's happy. He's I got, bet he's got it sticks it with a racing. Yeah, thing. I bet he's happy. I was in it yesterday. I got seasick. I got, fucking, I got car sick. I bet he was happy though. Did he, he look he, like he was he, happy? He can't drive slowly. I, he looked pretty happy though, didn't he? He, he cannot drive slowly. Well, He's a giant V8. His cars need to be monsters and totally inappropriate. There, it's perfect. That's his, why his wheels are that fat. He's enjoying his life. Yeah, uh, Challenger. It's kind of scrawny wheels. He's got the. He's got the racing. He's got oh, the, the SRT expensive racing one. Yeah. package. Yeah. That's great. Those yeah. cars are. Uh, they don't handle that well because it's a big car. It's like more <laughs> than four thousand pounds, I believe. Yeah. I mean, even the, I have a the Shelby GT uh, five hundred, and that's like three thousand eight hundred or something like that. They're pretty. Pretty heavy yeah. in comparison to like the Porsche is like three thousand pounds. Right, Porsche is really light, and when you get a big heavy car like that, it's fucking really hard to make handle. But in straight lines, in some ways, the Challenger is like one of the last real old school muscle cars. Really, a yeah, Challenger. Because, and the, and the Mustang GT, you know, the the the, the GT five hundred, the Shelby, it's it's still stupid. It's like way too much power for the back. And then the new ones, they're coming out with new ones that have six hundred and fifty horsepower. Mine has five fifty, and it's ridiculous. 550. 550, and it sounds majestic. It makes your balls feel good. Like when you hear the noise, see, I, I, I've driven other cars. Like my, if I had to pick what's my best car, I would say the Porsche, the GT3, the it's race great, car. That's, a, that's car, a, right? That's a great car. But it's not as stupid, put a big stupid grin on your face fun. Yeah. The Shelby's more fun because it's got a big dumb engine. Yeah. And when you hit the gas, it goes. It's American. It's, it's American. It's American versus German. It's America. Fuck yeah. yeah. It's got low end torque. Like it throws you back in the seat with a. They should have made. They should have just added balls to it. Yeah. yeah, this Challenger only starts off at twenty four, and it gets twenty seven miles per gallon, which is actually really good. Yeah, it's not it's, bad. It's a, my car a, gets fifteen. It's and not it's a 52. beautiful car. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking beautiful. Your car only goes fifty two if you drive like a girl. That's, it's true. <laughs> they took didn't you tell car, me? Didn't I, you tell me that that the. Uh, that actually it gets not as good gas miles as your BMW or something? Yes, an, M, on an M3, not what? even a regular BMW, if you take it on a track. Oh, really? Yes, Top Gear. I love them to death. Those guys out of the England, the, yeah. the, Jeremy Clarkson uh, went around a track, and he had a, a BMW M3, and he floored it, and the guy tried to keep up with him. Or he, no, he had to keep up with the guy in the uh, Prius. That's all he had to do. And the BMW, it was much easier for the BMW to keep up like a really easy, like a, for right, the right. BMW, an easy pace, like 90 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. Whereas the Prius was fucking struggling to keep it up. So the Prius actually burnt more gas. Yeah, it's not made for that. I it's a piece of shit. <laughs> 
You're a man. I, what about the X? You're a man, Callen. Get away from me with that. You need a goddamn challenger with a stick yeah. shift too, you pussy. Yeah. Don't get Stop the automatic. The ass in traffic That's what I'm talking lazy. about. That's part of being a man. <laughs> you got to be able to fucking keep it in neutral. Would you really recommend a challenger though? Fuck yeah, I would I mean, recommend I, one. I didn't know it was this cheap. I Dude, it. I would. I love buy a joke. It's irrational. It's like, come on, I don't might. be a baby. It's traffic in L.A. Stick shift. Yeah, five hundred horsepower. I might buy one that one of those when my Mustangs leases up. I might. I might get one of those. I'll fucking buy a horse sex i might trade my car in i yeah that's a good car if you're going to trade it in for a challenger yeah. that's a great car what do you, what do you drive chrysler right? makes solid cars man and they're fun to drive it sounds cool it's easy to see out of you know it's a, give me it's a give me another give me another car that. what about get a manly car I, can, I can't tell you what you should get what you should get is like a fucking 911 get a new porsche they have a new 991 really? oh yeah you don't even have to drive a stick shift they have a dual clutch transmission the paddle shifting really if, if you got some cash and you're ready to party yeah. it's fun yeah you not you don't have to drive irresponsibly either no i know it's fun. just that even just merging on the highway i drove uh, i drove uh, arnold schwarzenegger's old porsche because my buddy had it in his lot and i was like in first gear the whole time i can't go anywhere it's well, traffic. The, yeah. Well, you know, Stop you're going to get a little bit of that. But yeah. you can, if you want to buy a new car, you can get a car that has a, a dual clutch transmission. But it was my feeling. I bought the 335i BMW. It's a great car. Fast. I couldn't drive it, though. I was just always, I could never open it up. It was always like, mm. it just felt like it was. It wanted to go, and I couldn't. I felt like I kept, I was keeping a dog in a cage. <laughs> really? Because I, I have yeah. the M3, and it always feels, that's like my favorite yeah, car. Yeah, but you live, where you live out there, you can, you got some open road, too. Yeah, you but know? even if you don't, you know, yeah. I, I think the modern, you love modern cars, transmissions. Dude. I do. Fascinated by it. Yeah. I, I love technology, and my favorite technology, like interactive technology, is cars. Why is that, do you think? Because they're connected. Well, first of all, because I'm an idiot, and I see <laughs> these amazing things like computers, and I'm like, who the fuck, <laughs> how is this possible? Yeah. Who's doing this? How are they making this? You know, even what they do with the Mustang, uh, I love the fact that they've taken this really shit design. It's a live axle car. It doesn't even have independent rear suspension. What does that mean? It means the, 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 the back rear tires act on one giant axle. Oh. As opposed to a much more modern car like right. the Porsche has active right. independent suspension. So, oh, okay. so if you go over a bump at the right, the the right absorbs it, the left mm. doesn't. It keeps you planted to the ground better. If you hit a bump in the Shelby, your fucking whole ass end goes up in the air. It's a stupid design, but they've taken it to the the utmost limits. Like they've really done the best job to harness. Like it's this like really driving a bodybuilder. It's like it's yeah. not it's not like an MMA fighter. It's like just a huge fucking bodybuilder. It's a gorilla. Yeah. It's a gorilla that's. Just Wants to stomp on the gas, and it can corner. I mean, they, they, the, especially the um, the coupes. The convertible is a little flip floppy, but the 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 coupe is pretty stiff. They right. they corner really good. You can get them around a racetrack, like they you know, and they have the new ones have uh, like a sport suspension. But just as far as like something that's pure fun, yeah. it's pure fun to hear on the highway. It's pure fun to drive around. It's hard to beat one of those Shelby Mustangs. There's just the sound of it. It's so satisfying. It's like you're, yeah, you're driving a goddamn do, do sewing machine, man. Yeah, it's true. It's it's really even 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 the when I bought when I bought the, did I tell you the story when I went to lease the Prius, I go in there and I go uh, I want red and the guy goes but you do because it's, it's 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 Barcelona red and he goes you do? do you sure you don't want black he was trying to talk to me and I go no I want red please I want a red Prius and please refer to it as the red Ram. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, it's called the Red Ram. And, and he goes, sir, your Prius is ready. I go, my what is ready? He goes, your Red Ram is ready. And I made them all stand there, and I drove out with my fingers like this, curled like a ram's horns on the fucking <laughs> thing like that. And I fucking, I was like, gentlemen, thank you for your time. 
and I just fucking rolled out of my Prius like this, mm-hmm. like a fucking idiot. Yeah, it's, it's called cha- the Red Ram. These challengers know. are so sexy. Let me yeah. see. Let me the, see. You it. know what? If you want to look up a, a sick one, dude, look up the SRT8, and I believe they're forty-five That's or forty-six. That's a good-looking car for their really their is. top of the line one. It's it, a great-looking it, well, car. Now, is this Challenger? Does this have independent suspension or yes? No? Yes, those do. Uh, yeah, only the a, Ford Mustang. Look- it's don't. a really good-looking car. That's that's uh, that's what fucking Dove has. Only has the racing one. Yeah, the RT, SRT. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Brian, look that up. Look up the uh, SRT8 Challenger. Yeah, I love the fact that America's finally making cool cars again. For the longest time, all the cars looked like shit. Like, even go, go back to, like, old Z28 Camaros. Yeah, they look so stupid. And if you compare, like, the really old ones, like the 1967, 69 Camaros... They were amazing cars, even the 70s. They were Great works of shapes. art, bro. Works of art. Amazing when they're done upright, but then something happened in like the 80s and the 90s. They were just dog shit, and now they're fucking cool again. Like yeah. I saw a Camaro SS the other day. Oh, Some dude shit. drove by me. I'm like, that is a great-shaped car. Right. Look at that shit. Yeah, that's the Whoa. SRT8. Wow. Yeah, that's the most expensive one, I think. Yeah, it's 46. That's the special speed yellow, yeah, whatever nice the hell it is. That's what I, maybe I'll get that one. Fuck yeah, dude. Are you crazy? That's a fun car to drive around. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, by the way, just like you, yeah. conflicted family man, the whole deal. <laughs> he, uh, not that you're conflicted as a family man, conflicted in your ability to express mean. your masculinity because I you have children. Exactly he got mean. a Prius, and he wanted this so bad. He wanted a Challenger so bad. He goes, fucking, I almost fucking bought it. And he goes, I hate this piece of shit. And he goes, and then it doesn't get good gas much because I drive it like an asshole. <laughs> He's like stomping on the gas. See, like, that's that's not me. I like I like the way I, the way I'm a retard is I'll be in the backyard with my buddy Kieran, learning different choke holds and learning his brand of jujitsu and boxing. Dude, you know, let me tell you something. That car will make you funnier. You get in that car, it'll make you feel like you're having a good time. That's the car that my car that that uh, rides car should have been. Right. My yeah. rides car was a hunk of shit. All right, it was a beautiful looking car, an amazing construction, but. It would break down constantly. Like people, like someone said to me, why'd you get rid of it? This is why I got rid of it. I was driving on the highway going like 70 miles an hour. Then 10 minutes later, I pull into my driveway and my, my wheel and suspension detaches from the frame. In my driveway, clank, what? the car goes sideways. What? So I get out. The wheel is shoved into the fender. The fender's dented. And I was like, I was just on the highway with this Holy thing. Shit. And like these old cars suck. Yeah. They 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 handle like a rhino on roller skates, yeah. <laughs> like a drunk rhinoceros on a fucking ice skating rink. That's a great. They're fucking. terrible. They're, they're they're all designed fucked up. They look amazing though. They look incredible. Yeah. Well, this car, what these new challenges are, is like. Here's a car you could fucking actually drive, and it actually has real brakes, ABS brakes, and it's got a real you know traction management system, yeah. and it it looks the same. It's like very similar, you know. This is the car you're talking about. Th- that that Challenger. It yeah. looks just like my car. It's like it's so similar I'll to go, I'll go my Barracuda. Drive. Although there's something about those old Barracudas where you knew it was all metal. Yeah. It was just so much more legit. Yeah. With all that plastic and stuff. That was a gorgeous car. You sold that for probably. Yeah. You sold it for some. I made some money on it. Yeah. yeah. And then I just bought the Porsche. So yeah. I, it's so much more fun. But if I had to choose one, I would take a Mustang. Really? Because it's fun. <clears throat> it's not the best car. Yeah. It does, it's got the most refined. The interior is made out of shit ultimate, plastic. Ultimately, it really is about having fun. It's fun. It's about having fun. Yeah, I mean, when, I, when I hit the gas in the car, and I'm not even talking about going fast, it's satisfying. <laughs> my, my, even my father, he goes, he goes why, why are you driving? What is this thing? Yeah, yeah what the know, fuck you know, is that? Goes, what is it? And Dove Davidoff always says it because they should call it. They should call it um, instead of the Prius. They should call it. Um, I won't. I won't punch you back, no matter what you do to me. <laughs> 
Well, the thing is, the reason why I say this is that I know you're not broke. You no. have money. You're a yeah. very successful guy. You yeah. do very well. Right. Like you could get a car like this, yes. and it's a, an easy no, choice. I definitely could. I could afford. It's not a rational at all. I could definitely afford the card I, I, I want. That's that's true. I looked at the Audi A5. That's Cut to cool Twitter. Car. Oh, that's great. Two fucking rich guys talking about what kind of car to drive. It's not about that, sir. It's about seizing passion. It's about having fun in your that's fucking exactly life. Right. And when, if you have a car that's a fun car to drive, if you can afford it, only if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, it becomes the exact opposite. Instead of being this cool thing, it becomes this fucking velvet prison you have to drag around with you everywhere. It's slowly sinking you and taking away your time because you dude, have to dude, work I, extra hours. I, I got to say, I've had some such, such nice people on Twitter say things. Too. Like I get such great feet. Like People are just so nice. I, I had a guy, I wasn't feeling very good about my one-hour special because it was an hour and a half. I wanted to cut it down to 42 minutes for a lot of reasons. It doesn't matter. And I was feeling a little bad. I was like, oh, I wish I could do it over again. We talked about it. And a guy yeah. tweets me, this guy tweets me a video of his one-year-old daughter laughing her ass off at my special. I was like, what a fucking great thing to do. Literally, oh, like, tweets it, and the kid, is, the kid is howling, and then you go to me on the screen and come back to her face, and, and the kid is fucking howling at my jokes. At like the wow. shit. It was such a fucking great tweet. I was like, what? A, what? That, that's what I love about this, you know this this yeah, whole technology that you, age. That you can connect to really good people. Yeah, it brings yeah. you. It just brings everybody together, and you know, it, I don't know. It's just, like-minded it's, people. Yeah, that's like my, like-minded. They people. know you're a nice guy. <laughs> nice people are attracted to that. Yeah. The, you know the shows that we've yeah. been getting at, like, like I filmed my special in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. The crowds, they're they're better than any crowd that you could reasonably <laughs> hope to ever get in your life. Ever. I, I believe it. And they're there at every show. It's like the same kind of crowds at every show. Well, I was in Canada. I was in. Uh, Toronto and uh, uh, Yuck Yucks and I had a bunch of people that listened to your podcast so they came out to see me oh by the way I'll be in Houston June 14th 15th and 16th Lucky. at the Houston Improv well, and then I'll be fun. yeah and then I'll be at um, I'm gonna be at Kansas City Stanford and Sons June 20th 22nd 20th. oh that guy's classic oh, Beetlejuice Craig Glazer yeah he's awesome Brian Callen I'll be coming this week oh, and uh, do some comedy that's a good that's a good Craig Glazer mm, right there some blow <laughs> fried mm. potatoes He's the greatest. He's yeah. the greatest. He introduced me to a stripper that had a tattoo of a stripper on her back. Yeah. And it looked like a five-year-old had drawn it. I mean, it was like the worst tattoo of us. It was, she was such a pretty girl, too. And then I had this spark moment of like, this girl needs to be rescued. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> that would have been like me. You could, you could totally have taken her. She was really pretty. Yeah. But... This tattoo was just like this giant, like warning sign. Yeah. Th this, there's something really wrong here. Mm -hmm. Like this is complete craziness. Like it was a it, the tattoo was so bad, man. Like you would have to kill the person who put that tattoo <laughs> on your body. You would have to kill them. There's no way you would ever. They, they would not be able to pay you enough in court to make. You I've feel never good known about what it. to get as a tattoo. I, that was another thing. It just wasn't me. How about just man class? How about a Prius? Back. Man class. Man class <laughs> and then TM. Did you see the picture? <laughs> Did you see the picture of my man class? I'm go to BrianCallen.com and, and I and I and they superimposed my body to look really muscular. Show show Joe. Show that it's so stupid. Like they like make me look really muscular. How, how muscular? Bodybuilder muscular? Yeah, yeah, you'll or, say, or like you'll say it's so dumb. 
Why did it's, they do that? Uh, did you allow them to yeah, do that? Yeah, I wanted them to. I, I wanted two girls you to be clutching them to each it? leg and I'm standing with fire. It's so cheesy. It's it, looks so like a, cheesy. it looks like the Dude. shittiest. Like, <laughs> there, look. Why would you do that when you could? It would be even funnier if you did it like in your underwear. If you were, I wanted body. to. I wanted to, but we were like, ah, fuck it. You know, we just Dude, had that. so creepy looking. Yeah, you look like Husamar Paul Harris. Look at that. You <laughs> <laughs> look like some big Brazilian guy. I just I'm saw. Very good with I just the saw. Yeah, I just saw Fabrizio Verdum down in Venice outside Jelena, this restaurant. Man, class. What a stud that guy is. Yeah, he's a fucking he's a, stud. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, you don't realize it. I'm a fucking baboon. I'm a fruit thrower. I yeah. live in the trees when that guy's around. He's a silverback. I'm literally like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, Fabrizio Verdum's a bad motherfucker oh when it comes God. to jiu-jitsu. Do you see that fight with Roy Nelson? He took Roy Nelson's back like within seconds of the fight. Roy threw a big punch, missed, and yeah. Fabrizio had his back. You're not doing like, a thing with it. Whoa. I was, just, I was watching him. He was just sitting on the curb, actually. He was, I think he was texting, and I, and I was looking at him, and I said to my buddy, I go, I think I'm right about this. If on the ground, on the ground, there may be one other person on the planet that could actually have, you know, tap that guy. Or, maybe. You know, who knows? Who maybe knows? not. Yeah, maybe not. But what he's, what he's great at, man, his, his fucking guard is ridiculous. Yeah. He's one of the hardest guys to ground and pound. Like Ryan Parsons, who's, uh, he, he manages Mayhem, uh, used to manage King Mo and a lot of those guys. Mm. He would talk about when they would be training with uh, Fabricio, like the ground and pound just did not work on him. He's just so good at putting really? feet on hips and his guard is so active. I mean, he's a fucking top of the food chain black belt yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and really good off his back for and a giant man he's a natural 260 yeah i mean he's a big fucking you, guy you know it's and no no steroids he's just a natural 260 it's so good at like his dexterity with his legs like moving his legs that's why like when fedor fell to his guard i remember watching it and my eyes went up i was like really like how ballsy is this guy and then all of a sudden he caught fedor in the triangle and i was like he's fucked man i'm like this is not a regular triangle you are not getting out of that sign no. and then when he started breaking his arm fedor finally tapped yeah but watching it i was like as soon as Fedor went to his guard, my immediate instinct was like, wow, like that's crazy. This guy's crazy. Yeah. Like, why would you think that you could get locked up by this dude? And then I thought about it. I was like, he probably never fought anybody like Verdum in his whole life, except for Minotauro. And Minotauro couldn't catch him. So he probably felt if Minotauro couldn't catch him, this guy can't catch him either. Right. But that's how good Fabrizio Verdum's guard is. Probably the best heavyweight guard in MMA. Next to Frank Mir is pretty goddamn good, too, man. Frank, Frank Mir, Mir is catches great, you. He's so good at jiu-jitsu, man. He's so explosive, too. And he, he breaks shit, man. He's like, no no one has had the record of breaking shit in the MMA oh, world oh, like Frank Mir. Jesus. Against high-level guys. Almost broke Bach. If, if Steve Mazzagatti had fucked up for one extra second, because he, yeah. he missed the tap and he, he didn't rush oh. in and stop it quick enough. If oh. it had gone on for just a couple extra seconds, that knee could have blown out. It scares me. He broke Tim Sylvia's arm, and oh. then, of course, he broke Noguera's arm. I mean, oh. he's a big boy, too. Well, Frank he, Mir's a solid he, 260 now. He's going to fight uh, Mr. Uh, fighting for the title. Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, in May. That's going to be... Uh, Fuck yeah, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't wait for that fight. I though. really was hoping to see Overeem. And, of course, yeah. yeah. Apparently, Overeem says that he took a shot by a doctor that was an anti-inflammatory, mm. and it had testosterone in it, and mm. he didn't know about it. Mm. And this doctor is uh, a uh, apparently a very controversial doctor. Yeah. And uh, the doctor's... Uh, he did put on. He did put things. on fifty pounds of muscle. Listen, um, it's only fifty. It's just fifty pounds about, of muscle in your thirties. But I'm sure that was all eating a lot of steak and drinking. Raw no milk. horse meat. Is that what it was? Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of horse meat. Interesting. Have you ever seen 60 mm -hmm. steaks stacked up? Go to yeah. the su supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
go to the supermarket and yeah. just stop and think it's, about it's 60. from pull-ups it's from pull-ups and rolling jujitsu dude what are you talking about listen i don't care how it got there just keep it on it looks great he looks he's, good he's a goddamn superhero i met him i met him and talked to him for a brief a little bit and when he was about his brock fight and he had a, nothing but respectful things to listen say. man all the roids in the world is only going to do you so much good what what does alistair over him good is that he can fight his fucking Fuck, ass off fuck, he's a yeah. scary fighter fuck yeah. you, you could talk all the shit you want about his his roids you know uh that may or may not have taken acquired, yeah, acquired. he trains hard he's a he's a very tactical skilled fighter. fighter dude his fucking fight with brock was you know a beat down that yeah. was that was a good convincing fight to let brock lesnar know he does not want to have any part of any people like that when he kicked him in the body and you I, saw I that shin kick think, to the liver i don't think in your 30s oh. like brock in your late 30s or whatever he was you can't learn how to be a hot you can't Learn Striking. How to strike, no way. Not, Not with high level. level guys, no way. It's so ridiculous. And learning it's to like, take a punch. I he's mean. essentially a blue belt in striking, a big, strong, athletic blue belt. Right. And he's taking on a 10th degree black belt, yeah. taking on a K1 Grand Prix champion. It's not going to happen. I mean, Alistair Overeem, as far as like decorated fighters in MMA, he's the most decorated striker, period. He won the Grand Prix. Even though Badrahari wasn't in it that year, he still won the goddamn Grand Prix. He's, that's, no one's ever done that and then been in a high level MMA guy. And it's those, so those, impressive. Those those Dutch, he came out of those Dutch schools, which are the best kickboxing. I mean, and then you savages. got savages. You're not going to be able to hang with, bang with dudes who've been doing that for the past 10 years. And now you're trying. I mean, They're I so give, technical, I give, too, man. Yeah, the Dutch you guys give, are so technical. You got to give Brock Lesnar a lot of credit or anybody, obviously. You know, I have such respect for anybody who gets in that fucking octagon. Yeah, well. You know, but it's, so, it's just, it's really hard to, it's really hard to. When I watched him lose to Cain Velasquez, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I said I, it's really hard to meet those hands when you're when you're you can't just you know bang with and protect yourself against a guy who's been boxing that long. It's really yes. hard to do. You know, it's very hard to do, especially when you're coming off of fucking surgery to your bowels. Yeah, and know? Kane can also Kane is used. To, he'll take a punch. You yeah. can punch him in the face, and he keeps his eyes open. Did he have the Kane fight? Did he? Did that was that fight pre-surgery? How did it go? Uh, I believe that that was actually no. I removed. think that was after. I believe it was because he had diverticulitis, right? Right. I think what happened was he had the cane fight, and then um, then he was supposed to have another fight, and right? Then, and then realized when he was supposed to fight Junior Dos Santos, right? Yeah. And then he realized that he had to back out because yeah. of diverticulitis. He almost died, I think. He I had know. twelve inches of his colon removed. God damn. Yeah. The whole thing is just so crazy. The fact that it came from. You know, eating meat without fiber, and that, that, that right? it can be that dangerous. Wow. Yeah, that it can it can back up inside your body, and the Jesus. walls of your your the lining of your gut get caked with. I, I didn't know that's what it was. Creates abscesses, and it can actually eat its way through the wall and the lining wow. of your body. It's super duper dangerous. And uh, apparently he cleared it up initially with diet, and they were worried that, you know, he was going to need surgery, but he cleared it up with diet. But then as he's training, the real heavy, high-level training breaks your immune system down so much, it started coming back. Mm. And then they realized, okay, this is a damaged area that's never going to quite fully heal, so we have to cut it out. So then they went in there, and they cut out 12 inches of his colon <sighs> and then put it all back together. And then he took a shot to his ribs by Alistair which is Overeem. like getting hit by a safari jeep yeah okay that's a good way of putting it yeah and that's what it's like if you look at the kick too Overeem's sh foot is pulled towards him which accentuates the bone of the shin oh and god and he's just oh my god perfect like the, technique giant uh, legs slamming I, I was, into your body I was watching I remember watching Boss Rutan kick a bag at Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu this is like literally 12 years ago and I was watching him roundhouse kick this bag. 
And I was just like, I, the power and the force of that guy. That just, the, yeah. I was just like, I mean, Boss he's, could hit what hard. an athlete. I was just like, I remember thinking to myself, getting kicked in the leg or the side with that, you're done. You should see, see Boss uh, kicking the pads. There's like videos of him kicking the tie pads. He did it very differently. Like a lot of guys, what they would do is they would, uh, they would hit the pads and, or hit the bag and they would sort of like pace themselves. You yeah. know, they'd do a round, but they wouldn't throw everything full blast. Boss would throw every punch, every kick, 100%. He goes, that's what I do, 100%. He's like, you know, I start off, I can only do 30 seconds. So that's what I would do. I'd do 30-second rounds. Go He's 100% another guy who is really good at keeping things light and, you know, even yeah. his fighting. Like, he was always good at just being playful. I think that's how he dealt with the pressure, you know? Well, he, his, his strategy for training was that. He would, uh, he would do one minute full blast, as much as he could do, full blast, and then he would start adding time onto that. You know, he'd do a minute in 10 seconds, a minute in 20 seconds. The next thing you know, it's two minutes. Next thing you know, he can go five minutes like a fucking jackhammer. This, in this book, uh, Extreme Fear, it's really interesting. They do a study, a clinical study of fear, and they do and, and fear in different forms like fear, uh, combat fear, uh, and, and, and performance fear, uh, whether you're uh, a performer or whether you're an opera singer or you're an actor, but mainly athletes, and a lot of athletes get the, what they call the yips like in the, in the middle of their career when they're high level like all of a sudden they can't throw a, a baseball over a plate yet they're the best pitcher you know and it's because what happens is people start to watch them Dan Jensen uh, I think that's his name the, the most decorated speed skater of all time he three Olympics in a row he, he just fucking just kept choking Really? He kept choking until finally he just gave up. He just, because he got into his own head and he had to learn how to talk to himself. Finally, he goes, fuck it. I guess I'll just skate this thousand meter. And he, and he apologized to Wisconsin ahead of time to say, hey guys, I'm going to fucking, uh, I'm not going to win this. Sorry. Sorry, Milwaukee or sorry, Wisconsin. And because he gave up and there was no pressure on him whatsoever, he won the fucking gold. And they talk about how a lot of athletes and a lot of people in general that fear that second guessing that self-doubt when you're working on a high level and trying to be get be the best at something is something that you have to come to terms with and there are psychological techniques in which to deal with it but it's so interesting to me that like human beings that perform on such a high level and have so much success and get so good at something still have dragons to slay they still have fucking psychological dragons to slay it never ends you know when you really have a dragon to slay when you think that you don't have a dragon to slay that's when you're really fucked and that's what happens to a lot of people they reach a certain point whether it's artistically whether it's athletically they reach a certain point where they feel like they've made it or they're beyond reproach Absolutely. or they're not hungry or growing anymore yeah. and stagnation sets in and then mediocrity is coming next absolutely and you know and one of the things i always find with young people you know and i think a lot of young people listen to this is that they they you know self-doubt always stops people but you got to realize that successful people all successful people have self-doubt they just learn not to indulge it they learn to ignore it or they learn to make it they they use it to their advantage self-doubt is a huge human it's a human emotion it's there not believing in yourself is human but you can learn how to deal with that that should never stop you from going for things so what if you don't believe in yourself so take the action anyway take the first fucking step right that's what you see with this and one of the things that i think is so interesting is you see people with oh this is great this guy who's this therapist i was he deals with a lot of top ceos like big time fucking people who run huge corporations and they don't want anybody knowing that they see him, but he'll, he'll, they'll see him and they'll, you know, bill out at 500 bucks an hour or whatever, but he's, he gets results. And I said, what's the over, what's the 
overriding thing you have to help very successful people with. I'm talking about big time business leaders and, and big time athletes. And you know what they, he said? He was talking about business leaders. He goes, um, most of them feel like frauds. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah, most of them feel like they don't deserve to be where they are. They feel like they're going to be found out. They feel generally like they're frauds. Like they just got there by fucking just a, the God smiled on them. And now they're here. And what the fuck do they do? And I was like, God, that's crazy shit. You see these people who run entire corporations and in their hearts, they feel like, like they feel like complete frauds. That's I think human. you have to have a certain amount of humility to achieve excellence. Yeah. And in, in that humility, there's going to come uh, an observing eye upon you that's so critical. Your, your self-observations are so much more critical than anybody else's observations to you if you're good at it because you know yourself more than anybody does. You're with yourself 24 hours a day. Mm. So a guy like that, of course, is going to look at himself going, you fucking pussy. You're faking right. this whole thing. Right. Because really, his his way of looking at himself is he's not really impressed with himself. Right. Which is why he's done so well, well in the first place. Well, I couldn't place. watch my one-hour special. I fucking hated it. I went into a yeah. funk. I was yeah, like, because I know I'm much better than that. It. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful with that. You could really fuck your head up. Yeah. Again, watch my old shit. If I watch my old shit, oh. I'll get disgusted with myself. I'm the same way. Sloppy like, timing. And, and I thought I was great. Fucking, <laughs> okay, I'm killing the room. The audience is going crazy. Then I watch and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know what's really fucked up, man? Try watching some old comedy. I mean, you're you're growing and you're getting better, but try watching some shit from like, you know, Bob Hope from like the 1950s. Oh, yeah. Try dated. watching that. It's dated, dude. My God, is it dated? You know it's who holds craziness. up? You know who kind of holds up? Who? Fucking Don Rickles. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. He holds up. Don he's still Rickles. around. Yeah, he's, he's still tripping. throwing down. He's, he was just in Vegas in April. Jesus Christ. He tweets. Don Rickles. Does Damn he? Right, yeah, he does. He's a good Twitter. What's his Twitter? He said to Bob Saget when Bob Saget was doing dirty work, he was directing a thing, and Bob he comes to set and he goes, he goes, <laughs> he comes up to Bob Saget, he goes. Uh, yeah, I'm here to do this movie for you. I understand you're directing the movie. I told Mr. Martin Scorsese, I said I just came from, by the way, I just told Martin Scorsese that you were directing a film. The man clutched his chest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already following him. It's Don Rickles. I gotta follow him. D-O-N-R-I-C-K-L-E-S. Yeah, he's got good tweets. Don Rickles is a monster. Let's get him on a podcast. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's a still funny old dude. Some guys can keep it up, man. You know, in comedy, it's not. There's not that many. There's a certain age that a lot of them hit. Very few get to be like George Carlin, wow. who was really funny right till his death. Well, Never he was also funny. he also decided like somewhere along the line to not just do jokes. He was like, I want to I want to talk about stuff that matters to me. And, you know. Yeah, and he was so prolific. Look at Don Rickles' latest uh, photo. He has a picture of him and his cat. And or I mean Joan Rivers. He's almost ninety. Dude. Joan Rivers is not Don Rickles. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean his latest photo. She looks like a cat. Oh, okay. Jeez. Like there's a photo of him and her in like a green room or something like that, and she looks like a puma. Whoa! Isn't that weird looking? A puma, dude. Okay, do you like remember her. the time? I like her too. By the way, still doing it. Are you seeing that face, man? Pull that, yeah. pull that picture up. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, 75 years old I, I went into uh, the green room once At the Brayer Improv And uh, I just arrived And me and Joey Diaz Smoked weed in the parking lot We blitzkrieged That initial rush of intoxication Where you're really too high to be talking Words are not going to come to you You're a wash in a wave of feeling And weirdness And I sit down and I look up And there's some Joan Rivers reality show and I'm looking at her face. I'm looking at her poor face. And her face is a goddamn mask. 
it's it's a it's a it's not a face. Look look at that. Come on, Joan. And it, and she's and that's when she's not talking. But when she's moving, it's all it's all stuffed out there with like fillers and stuff that keep your skin from looking wrinkly. There, there's a reason they, have to they stretch say, your skin out. There's a reason in, in the Judeo-Christian mythology, uh, vanity is one of the seven deadly sins, right? It's scary. Vanity man. eats itself. It's a snake eating its own tail. Pull that picture up again, Brian. You're you're, wa- you're worshiping false gods. You know, Dove and I were talking about that. Like what happens to you when you worship false gods? When you worship money, shiny things? When you worship even your own looks? But that's you crazy. Some fucking problems. That's, Don Rickles is actually a little lady. better looking and a little younger looking in some ways than she is. Oh well, at least he looks natural. If she yeah. doesn't doesn't offend you when you look at him, he looks like yeah. Don Barris's dad. Yeah, well, you but you look at Don Rickles, you're like, there's a guy. That's hi, hi, Mister. How are you, seen. sir? But if you look at her, you're like, oh my god, this lady's wearing a mask. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. She look looks like she has a kabuki mask on. <sighs> yeah, Jesus, it's, it's like insanity. an Egyptian drawing. You know, it's, like with the nose, yeah. how it's like straight. Down. The whole thing is. She so looks like she's fighting G forces. Like she's like literally falling through the air. And at I mean, miles an and hour. does it make her you know happy? I don't know. I mean, does it? I mean, she's obviously working a lot. She's happy to be working. I don't. She does a lot of jokes about her plastic surgery. Yeah, but I I think that part that's one of those people that I think is driven by a hole they can never fill. Right. I right. mean, God bless her. I love her, but I think that. She's certainly driven by a sense of her own inadequacy in some way. I mean, I heard a documentary is amazing. I, yeah, so did I. But but I mean, you haven't seen it. No, but I want to see, see it, it, Brian. It's on my list. No, yeah. it's, it's I, I heard it was really good, but it just doesn't seem entertaining enough for me. I don't know. I'm sure it's good. No, I, I've heard really good things, but but it's 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 like um, I think that's somebody who didn't who never came to terms with with what who she is she never let go of something right, right, I mean, right. she's still trying to hold on to that it's so it's actually a form of madness yeah. to hold on to your youth like that is is just mad it's it's actually crazy well it's also it's another pattern you know it's a pattern just like the people that stuff the fucking plates in their lips yeah there's a there's a crazy pattern of plastic surgery that a lot of women engage in and they start getting nips and tucks is that her yeah look how hot she used to oh my god look at her she was great can you turn it on so we could hear it yeah she was great all he has to be is clean and able to pick up the check he's a winner you know that (laughs) or a, a man a man can call up anybody in the whole world you know that Hello, I saw your name in the locker room. I thought I'd give you a quick call. <laughs> a girl, a girl can't call. Girl, you had to wait for the phone to ring, right? And when you when you finally go on the date, the girl has to be well dressed. The face has to look nice. The hair has to be in shape. The the girl has to be the one that's bright and pretty, intelligent, a, a good sport. Howard Johnson's again. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> That's actually pretty She's funny. Great. A girl, a girl She's you're great. 30 years old, you're not married, you're an old maid. A man, he's 90 years old, he's not married, he's a catch. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> it's, it took guts She's back so then, young, too. It took too. guts. Look at that, man. Yeah. Look at her. She's pumping she kind of has a Sil- Sarah Silverman type kind of yeah. feel to her. Man, bring him along, bring him along. He's 98. Bring him, bring him. He's dead. Bring him. <laughs> We'll prop him. Just bring him. We'll say he's quiet. I know what I'm speaking about because my mother had two of us at home that weren't, as the expression goes, moving. And I'm I'm from a little town called Larchmont where if you're not married, you're a girl, and you're over 21, you're better off dead. It's that simple, you know? And I was the last girl in Larchmont. Do you know how that feels? Sitting around my mother's house, 21, 22, 24, having a good time, living, eating candy bars, enjoying myself. 
but single. And the neighbors would come over and they'd say to my mother, how's Joan, still not married? <laughs> and my mother would say, if she were alive. You know how that hurts? When you're sitting right there? Hmm. Some of it's a little dated, but some of it's pretty funny. <laughs> she just, uh, she She's was sexy. You got to you, you gotta, like that, Brian? She makes She's you pretty sexy. She makes you, you try to get her, her a podcast if 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 uh, if she was today. Uh, yeah, I would get, love to have her on a podcast. I think no, 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 that's what? not what I mean. I mean, oh. if you saw her back then, would you like, hey, want to do a podcast? Oh, yeah, totally. Name's I'd Brian have Red her own Band. podcast. You might hear about me on the internet and I come on in and do I a podcast. You would try to hit it? Oh, fuck yeah. I wouldn't actually. I'd never try to date a, uh, a comic. Comedian now. Really? That's know. interesting. I would think you would. You I think because I see you have the, though, right? I see the no. I never, never. I, I see the. Uh, I love. I mean, look. I, I love certain comics. I like. I love Sierra Tiana. She's anybody who ever dated her would be lucky. You know. Um. I, like, yeah, I got a lot of friends. I agree. You know. I got a lot of friends like that. But um. Oh. But I mean, uh, a lot of like. Uh, I, I love uh, Liza, Liza Schlesinger. She's my friend. I think she's. I just like her. I think right. she's a person. She's funny. But you um, wouldn't want to date. No, I don't know about that. Th- those two girls, I can see. You know, because they're friends of mine. I could. I, I can see dating someone like that. So I don't want to say I wouldn't date a comic. But I. It's I'm rare. watching her. Yeah, I'm just watching her, and I kind of. I see a lot of um, a need to be an overwhelming need to be loved, mm-hmm. and, and that's and and coupled with the fact that that's her first love when she's on stage, mm-hmm. that's a lot to compete with. You know, Whoa. two comics is tough to make work because you're both coming together like with your own crazy shit. In yeah, some ways, you know what right? works with Tom Segura and Christina Pazinski? Yeah. They at work. Tom Segura, by the way, is a great fucking guy. He's a fucking guy. awesome guy. He's a great... I, I got to know him recently, and we did this mashup, Comedy Central mashup together. He's such a fucking nice, supportive dude yeah. who's genuine. Like, he'll be like, yeah. you're fucking hilarious. You fucking... You know, he's just a great... Like, just one of those guys not competing with you. Nice. He's not trying to one-up. He's just yeah. genuinely happy for you. you yeah, know? yeah, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a rare gift, that yeah. guy. We, we did that whole... Um, uh, Maxim comic tour You know with me And Heffron And Charlie Murphy And we did it In every town They had like a, a local guy Would go up And do like 10 minutes Yeah And uh, we did it in Phoenix And somehow or another um, Segura was on Because he's not really From Phoenix But he was in the area Or whatever So he went up And I was like Holy shit This guy's funny And it's it was uh, It was like He was so Like his timing And his rhythm Were so good I'm like How the fuck Do I not know About this guy Yeah It's one of those Weird things yeah. Where I was like It, like, it kind of like Kind of weird me out yeah, you know, like well, how come this guy's not famous? He kind of lets the audience reach for him. You know, it's mm. not, it's not. That's a different thing. She's controlling the space, and she's gonna make you like her no matter what. Segura just kind of sits up there, like whatever. I'm just gonna talk, and he's fucking hilarious. He's got a big midget bit, though. He does. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he asked me about it, and I was like, man, really? Do midgets need more people shitting on them? Yeah. You know. I mean, well, also because I'm friends with Brad Williams, so I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I love the guy, so you know. He's so good. Or little people, rather. No, little people. I, you know, I would well, like to get Well, there's dwarves, there are midgets. Yeah. And you but you're that? not supposed to ever say midget, apparently. Do you ever see that fucking, uh, the, the office, the British one, where they're like, well, there are, there are dwarves, there are midgets, there are sprites, there are elves. It's like, are they real? Yes, they're real, you idiot. They have this debate about like, all the different small people. It's fucking, you can YouTube it. It's really, really funny. Have you but, uh, seen those uh, people that they found that lived 10,000 years ago that really were tiny people on the no. island of Flores? No. you never seen that? No. The Flores Hobbit Man? Really? Oh, my God. How do you not know about this? Brian, pull that shit up so Brian can uh, look at it. That's pretty wild. 
Yeah, they uh, apparently they lived alongside humans as recently as ten thousand years ago. Wow, they found their bodies. Like a genetic, well, it's like pygmies. It's like the pygmies of the Congo, mm, something like that. Except pygmies they were are very totally, small. They were totally different. They were a different species of human. Mm. They had different, you know, the their their proportions were different. I always forget that pygmies exist. I know it's weird, yeah. but I always forget. Like sometimes I'll go, crazy. "Holy shit." Pygmies are out there. They're yeah. fucking pygmies in the yeah. deep in the Congo. How tall are they? They're like four feet tall. Wow. And really muscular. So what do you think happened? Like there was just like that was the best way to be. Like if you're gonna be, moving I think you evolved to your yeah. You evolved your circumstances. Maybe you adapt. Maybe if there's not a lot of food, right. the ones that survive were smaller. Uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely a genetic muta- mutation. It's a genetic strain of people. They're they're in, they're proportioned. They're not dwarves. They're not they're not midgets. Yeah, they're just they're tiny, small people. Small people. Have you ever seen the videos Pull up of some them pygmies. fishing in the Congo River? Oh, my God. Look at how cute they are. Yeah, that's how tall they were. That's a, a depiction of them. But there's some better ones. They're actual more technical ones than a dude with, with a fish over his dick. What's up with that? That guy right there. The ones in the far right. Yeah, all of those. Wow. Fucking, that's weird. No, look I meant that. the one that was right oh. above that, Brian. Yeah, that guy. That's, that's, that's what he supposedly looked like. How crazy is that? Yeah, he's much more monkey-like. Jesus. But it was uh, a type of human being. That's incredible. Yeah, apparently there were several different types of human beings, not just Neanderthals, not just Homo sapiens. The real issue, and this is the number one issue, that other one is him as well, Brian, the the depiction. Brian, bring up some pygmies. Pull pull up that fake depiction to the the second from the left. Uh, Yeah, that one, the, the... that's what he supposedly looked like if Expressive it was a real eyes. person. Mm. Sexy not, as fuck. That's a, if that's a girl, not my type. He could be at the helm of like some British band. <laughs> you know, some crazy, raucous British band. <laughs> you are correct. Are you ready to rock New Zealand? New Zealand! He, um, or uh, they, uh, they apparently lived alongside a bunch of other ones. That, what I was going to say is that what's, what's really difficult is that everything that dies doesn't make a fossil. So they find right. fossils, but they don't necessarily have a completely accurate record of everything that ever lived. And right. they don't know how many holes are missing. It's really difficult to tell. Yeah. They, found, they just found some recent fucking thing. Some amateur paleontologist found some recent thing, some seven-foot-long thing with all these, this weird, crazy fucking skin. They don't know what it was. We've never seen this thing before. It's some new thing. that This is the first fossil of it they found. We'll just try to figure out what the fuck it is. Sure, there, there, I'm sure there were life forms that just didn't make it. Did you hear about the Titan boa that they just recently? found yes i did holy fucking yes, shit huh how about yeah. a, a boa constrictor that eats crocodiles the craziest thing in the world that's a giant serpent 65 foot long animal confirmed dragon. size yeah dragon. there were dragons man yeah. you know and that's the thing that there's a reason why all those myths exist because things like the komodo dragon yeah. which by the way will fucking kill you hey how about the fucking nile crocodile yeah. Good luck with those. When Twenty-eight they get feet be, long. Yeah. Good luck with a Nile crocodile. Swim for miles out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I talked to a zoologist in Florida about it. They're like, "Oh, oh, Nile crocodiles will eat a tire. If you throw a tire at it, sometimes they eat the tire." I go, "What do you mean?" They go, "They eat everything." I said, "Everything." He goes, "Everything." Oh my they'll God. grab a they'll grab an elephant by the trunk. There's there's video of it. Have you seen the video of these dudes in the Congo that got uh, not video rather it's a uh, it was um, a thing on CNN there were three adventurers on kayaks and oh, no. one of them got killed by a crocodile oh, and they're de- depicting death on the Nile and they're just depicting this crocodile jacking them yeah but here's were- the thing here ready uh, I'm not going on the fucking I'm not going on the Nile with <laughs> it's like the, it's like it's like the the thing I do it's like oh the Nile with crocodiles in a fucking kayak nah yeah. nah I'll go rock climbing how's that sound in in the in the Andes or in the Rockies and I won't even do that 
Or it's like, uh, it's like, uh, how about the guy, the woman who got her face eaten by? I was thinking about that. She gets, she gets attacked. Yeah, hands and face eaten. If you've got a two hundred pound chimp just running around the house, I'm not fucking coming over. Yeah, I'll Skype with you, dude. It's a yeah. man creature with six, seven times the upper body strength of a grown man with a three year old's brain. That's a bad combination. They said the crocodile was pulling the kayak under, like and shaking. No, it as it was trying to pull the guy out of it because it turned him over. Oh and my reached up, god! Grabbed him. And he's still stuck in the oh, kayak, no. so he's trying to hang on. That the crocodile pulled him. Oh plopped, no, 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 no! And then no. just went under the water, and they never saw it again. Dude, I don't want any part of that shit. I don't want to die by biting. Twenty plus feet yeah. long. I don't want to die by biting. It's why I don't go swimming. In the fucking Santa Monica Bay, because there are great whites all over. Yeah. They just swim around. How's that go? Do, 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 do. There's a cool video of one that was taken right off the Malibu coast by a helicopter. Saw it. Saw Crazy. it. Crazy. Yeah. Just swimming around. I know all about the Santa Monica Bay and great whites. Thank you. <laughs> I'm old. Ha- I'm like, saw it. I, 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 I'm I know obsessed. of uh, a couple of deaths, and they, they haunt me. One of them was a guy that was uh, in, they were training for a triathlon, and so they were swimming in the ocean, and there was something, uh, there was a, quite a few of them, and one guy got bit in half by a great white, yeah. and that was right off of San Diego. Yeah. And then recently in Santa Barbara, I think last year, a guy got bit in half again. Yeah, because he was, he was, a, he was, he was uh, surfing yeah. in the water. He was, he was uh, a, a bodyboarding. <laughs> bodyboarding and guess what There's, well what they found was on Nat Geo that in the Santa Monica Pier at any given time if I think it's during the fall there are, there are as many great whites there as anywhere in the world that's where they come to breed oh, so they're Jesus. all they're swimming among the pylons alright Oh, guess who's not going swimming Jesus in that water Jesus Christ that's scary I'm not going in that water if you had to, if you had to, if you had to choose one animal to die by mm. what would it be I would say a big cat because they kill you quick. Yeah, because they they know where their juggler is. Yeah, you would just go out. I'd go hamster. You go right out. It's like being choked. <laughs> you know how bad it would, how long I, it would I take asked, for a hamster to kill I, you? I asked Chris They'd Delia. have to tie you down and fill the hamster up with steroids. I asked, I asked Chris Delia, and we're all coming up, and Chris Delia goes, ants. I go, dude, that would be terrible. He goes, I don't care. I'm brave. <laughs> he just walked away. I was like, you fucking asshole. When you hear about what ants do, one of the things they do is they kill elephants. They climb up the elephant's leg and they go into his ear and they start eating the elephant from the ear, from dude, the inside of their ear. This is what, you know, I have a, the 10-minute podcast that I do with Will Sasso and Chris D'Elia. Uh-huh. If you guys want it, it's called the 10minutepodcast.com. And this is the kind of shit we talk about. We pick a topic like this and we just fucking talk about it and it's 10 minutes right. and if we don't finish the topic the music sounds and we're fucking done we the music starts that's a great. minute it's great it's been really fun that's a fun thing to do like on a commute like to listen to on that's your way what, to work that's what we, yeah. we that's why we've been doing well because we get together Will and I said let's do a podcast but let's make it only 10 minutes like that's everybody really else smart. Was, yeah and and so that's what we've been doing and we're calling we're, it 10 minute yeah. podcast is smart it's called too, the it's, it's called the 10 minute podcast and you go to 10minutepodcast.com and you can download it yeah that's uh, been that's, killing it. it that's a funny idea yeah. But uh, ants, uh, I think ants are the number one killer of any animal in Africa. I believe that's true. I don't know. I, I don't know, know that ants, there's more ants. I think mosquitoes are more weight from malaria. Of, oh, from malaria. Yeah. There's more weight per ant on, on or commensurate rate as it is human beings. When mm. Total body mass. I believe it. That's insane. Yeah. Think about how much bigger a person is than a fucking ant. And they weigh, if you added up all the weight of all God, the ants so and all crazy. the weight of all the people, it would be basically the same. Makes sense. Somebody said something interesting about, like, if you took, this was really interesting about, uh, they said, uh, this biologist was saying, if you took all the ants and you killed, if you killed all the ants on on the planet, uh, life on Earth would cease to exist in about five years, as you know it, because ants are such an integral part of the ecosystem for a thousand reasons. Isn't that amazing? If you took all the humans and you got rid of them, 
on this earth, uh, life would go on even just the ecosystem would be totally intact in five years. You know, it's just kind of an interesting di- the distinction where how much more important in some ways ants are to life on this planet than humans are. Now, why is yeah. that? Like, Because ants, ants are such an integral part of the ecosystem, whereas human beings are actually in a lot of ways an intrusion on right. on, on endocrine structures and all kinds of things that, that require sustainable life. Look what we've done to the environment as it, as it stands just by living this inexorable rise of human flesh pushing and fucking you know yeah, but and, why and ants though just because they well ants are ants are the, be like a very important part they provide food and aeration and all kinds of mm-hmm. things I don't know what the you know I'm not a biologist but it was just a kind of a really interesting distinction to think that ants in a lot of ways as a whole are way more important and actually crucial to life on on planet earth whereas human beings if you got rid of every human being life so on planet earth would probably carry on really really well you know it's it's just a it's kind of a humbling it's a humbling kind of concept. Ants kill thirty people per year. Thirty people. thirty people every year. More than weed. Well, <laughs> bees. I'm sure bees <laughs> bees kill a lot more people. I'm sure. You think so? Yeah, people are allergic to bees. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And wasps yeah. and things. Yeah. People aren't people allergic to. Um, they probably fire ants, right? Do you know how they in Australia? You know how they get rid of crocodiles in an area? It's really wild. They'll wow. ki- they'll just kill a shitload of them in one area. And then crocodiles will avoid that area for the next five, ten years. Really? They can smell the death there. They, even if the, when the carcasses are removed. When they'll shoot a bunch of crocodiles in one area, and they'll keep doing that, I don't know, for how long, and then crocs will not go to that area. How many people do you think hippos kill every year? That, they say, kills more people in Africa than any other animal because you get in the way of a hippo in the water, and you're fucking done. Take a I, guess. I, I, I don't know. But I, my guess is, all right, I'll, I'll give you my guess. And then we're going to Google how many people die by snake bite in India, which is Ooh. about 20,000 from what I heard, which wow. is actually an inflated figure because a lot of times when you brain your wife in a village, you blame it on a snake. Oh. Um, having said that, I'm going to say that the number of people in Africa killed by a hippo are upwards of 500. 2,900 wow. annually. What? That's way more than <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Oh, that sounds scary. That's, the, that's as many people as killed with 9-11 practically. 2,900 people annually That's in as many Africa people that were, almost, that were killed. fucked up by hippos. What? They're very aggressive, unpredictable, and have no fear of humans. People die most often when they get between a hippo and, the water. and deep water yeah. or between a mother and her calf. That's a bitch to be in the oh, way of. They're, they're monstrous. They're so huge, and they can run faster than you can, yeah, and they'll crush you. Yeah, they bite you. And in they'll that. chase you down. They'll yeah. chase you down. And they'll bite your head and kill you. They'll bite your whole body in half. They bite crocodiles in half. They're so powerful. There's a photo of a, a guy running in Africa. He's running full clip down the street, and a hippo's chasing him. And, you, in, and in that photo, this poor fuck, I don't know what happened to him, but you see in that photo, what what really is going on. Oh you see God. this monster from a movie. It's like from that movie Relic. Yeah. Remember that movie Relic yeah. with Tom Sizemore yeah, yeah, yeah. and this crazy monster comes out of yeah, the Yeah, that's so that's primal. That's what a hippo's like, yeah. It's so primal. For human beings, you know what's... Being eaten for a human being is actually an instinct. With children, when, when you take an infant and you go, in their face, yeah. they'll scream and cry. Of course. Because, because th- th- that's a primal fear for us. It yeah. goes back to our genetics, our 100%. Ancestry. And hippos are about as primal as you can get. A big, stupid, giant, muscle-bound animal. That's, that's a rhino. It's a rhino. Oh, son. Oh, is it poop? Uh, oh, there's oh that's arm. hilarious. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> Wait, well, can, can you bring up uh, that picture of the hippo? Yeah, see if a uh, man running from hippo. See if you find that. That's hilarious. Oh, that's Ace Ventura. Yeah. 
Rhino Birth. Oh, this is so He's silly. Is this the new Ace Ventura or is this the old yeah, one? Isn't there a new? Aren't they gonna do a new Ace Ventura? Uh, I, know, I, I think that? they're doing a new uh, Dumb and Dumber. A new Anchorman. A new right? Dumb and Dumber, right? Yeah. What happened to him? He kind of got bored of making movies, or Jim Carrey? Yeah, probably just like overdosed on pussy. Yeah, and money <laughs> and money. Wasn't he banging Jenny McCarthy for the longest time? Yeah, oh, that takes a look lot at of time. That. Yeah, look at that poor guy. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Fucking a. There's a couple photos too. It's not just this one. There's another one where the thing is on, actually on the Could road. Could you punch it in the nose? Good luck. Oh my God! Some marbles look at the size of that. They throw some marbles. <laughs> look at the size of that thing's fucking head. Look at uh, images. Yeah, the one on the far left, Brian. Oh yeah, oh look at that. Oh my, my God! God. <laughs> poor fuck. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my! Look at the head on that thing, and look at the guy's just in the air. He's running so fast. He's in the air. Yeah, that, that would be me. Right on. That him. would be me. That you're well. Well, you know what? Very people. Few people have ever had to run for their lives. <sighs> And that's, that's you running for your life. Oh, yeah. That is le legit running for your life. The upper left one is terrifying. That one right there. Because yeah, it's like he's making the turn. Look at the eyes on it. Oh, my God. It's so close to that poor guy. That thing is going to fucking kill him. <sighs> I hope it didn't. Look I at, hope it oh, didn't catch him. He snuck up on it, the stupid fuck. He's a gamekeeper. Look, he, he was like walking near it. Oh, and boy. then all of a sudden the thing turned on him. Oh, oh my, Jesus. Oh, my God. This is some of the but most see, frightening photos on I, the I'm internet. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> if I see a hippo, I'm running. It's like when I was down, they, had, they brought a lion on set. They brought a lion. Guess who was fucking hiding in his dressing room? Literally, you. I was like, yeah. Good. You don't know how to control a lion. It was a male lion that they modeled the Lion King after. A 525-pound male lion. Oh. Guess what? And all the other actors are like, oh, that's so neat. They're pet. They're like, want to pet it. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's fine. The, the, the trainer, he's got a ponytail and a fucking you know, safari outfit on. What the fuck are you going to do when Mr. Leone decides, oh, you're food? Nothing. Oh, my God. I that's hid. so scary. I hid. That's such a scary fucking animal, dude. Oh, my God. And the idea that it could just snap at any moment. And there's a lot of goddamn oh, YouTube videos. Dude, it's I like, was... Do you not go on YouTube? Do you I... not see these animals that are being held by the trainers and all of a sudden they just lash out? I was in Alaska what with my dad. Picture? What is that picture? What is this picture? It's giving birth to something. Oh, that's a hyena eating. It's eating, eating its ass asshole. out. That's a hyena eating, <laughs> a, hyena eating a, a hippo's asshole. That's what it's doing. Have you ever seen the videos of lions eating hippos? They just climb on them and start yeah. biting them. Yeah, I also yeah. saw the video where the, the hippo bit the lion in the head and, and crushed it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how hungry the lions have to be that they want to eat a hippo. Very hungry. It's tough hungry. times, man. Yeah, man. That's not easy life on the Serengeti. People complain about Hollywood. People complain about having a job. Yeah, Jesus right. Christ. Right. Look at, look at what some life forms have to go through. Yeah. And it's amazing when you look at Africa. Africa has always fascinated me because out of all the really places on Earth where there's a, just an overwhelming amount of dangerous monsters, it's Africa. I mean, Africa has everything. Yeah. They have Nile crocodiles. They have great white sharks. They have lions. They have hippos. They have hyenas. Even they have poisonous snakes. Ostriches kick, kick the shit out of you. Kick you fucking head right, right away, yeah. They're mean cunts, too. Oh, fuck yeah. We had them in a set of Fear Factor. They try to bite you, man. Dude, I was, in, you. I was in Indonesia in the rainforest. They got wasps with like three abdomens, orange fur. Oh, my Fucking, God. you can see the stingers, and they're just hanging out. One got caught in my sister's hair. And, you know, usually as a brave guy, you'd kill the wasp that's in your sister's hair. I fucking ran for the hills. <laughs> 
I was like, have my you seen instinct. this new wasp they discovered that looks like a goddamn science fiction movie? No, they scare uh, the fuck out of me though. Brian, pull up, pull up, new giant wasp discovered. You're, you're gonna. Well, that's shit what you get pants. in Indonesia. I was playing with a snake with a stick, and Beruti Galdikas, a woman, she goes, uh, "If that thing bites you, young man, you'll be dead in a half hour, and we're six hours upstream on a boat from the nearest hospital." If, like, if oh. you Google it, Brian, there's a crazy photo of one. It's as big as the guy's hand. Yeah, I don't want to Look at this thing. Yeah, nah, no thanks. Yeah, that's got manable, so it bites you and it hump stings you. And if you go, if you go back, Brian, to uh, do a, an, ima- an image search. Dude, how about the, the Death Star Scorpion? Death Star Scorpion. Look at the size of this fucking thing. Why is that in, in the guy's hand? Jesus Christ, look what at the size of What is he doing that with that thing? Look at the Isn't, size that's, of that that's thing. That's a Japanese yellow wasp, I think. A hornet, you mean? Yeah, that's yeah. a Japanese yellow Those are the hornet. One, have you ever Those seen the Those are the video? biggest. Yeah, they kill bees. They'll kill 30,000 bees. Yeah, a whole hive will mm. be coming and they just chop them Six in of half. them. Six of them will bite, uh, kill 30,000 bees. Six and, of them. Do you know how they kill them? Yep. Okay. They, they surround... Oh, who are you talking to? <laughs> who are you talking to? <laughs> Let me finish your sentences. You mean when they, sur- they, they cover them and flap their wings and, they, and the wasp dies of heat? Yeah, you might have told me that. Well, because yeah, well, they send a scout in. The scout goes flying around and he goes, oh, look, a hive. I'll be, let me drop some scent here. Be right back. Have a good day. And they go back, and then they come back with six fucking just. It, it's like it's like it's like all of us hanging out having tea, and helicopter gunships come in and just go. And you're like, what is that? Is that? Do you want some more milk with you? And you get fucking blown. Well, you know what it really would be like is if we were just hanging out and giants came into town and just started eating us, biting your head, biting your head off, and throwing your body down and grabbing another one and biting your. I'm bored with this. Do you think there were ever giants? I don't know. Is that possible? I know I want a giant. I want a pet giant. <laughs> They're very loyal. As long as you don't feed them meat. If you see like movies with giants in them, you got to wonder like, I wonder what the biggest person ever was. Well, you know, Andre the giant was 525 pounds. And but I mean like giants. I mean like 20 feet tall. Well, I don't think anatomically the body can really work, but I love this conversation. It's my favorite. Joe, look at Why the screen. Why can't it work? Two guys. Oh my God. Look at this thing running at the... That's fucking scary. Hit the Jeep, dude. Are they they really slowing down? That made me scared. Why are they shutting the engine off ever? Alex, all right? You know, it's really horrible to watch somebody. It must be terrible. Well, with that one with it, it goes after the lion. What is that? Oh, yeah, that's a water water buffalo. Did you see the one with the the lion? Honey badger and a lion. Oh, yeah, look at these lions yeah. trying to bring down this hippo. Yeah. Oh, this is so crazy. I love this song. This week on Hippo Attacks. And this guy's just sitting there in a fucking truck taking video of it. Well, you know, animals a lot of times won't bother you. If, you Whatever, know. man. When David Blaine, if I can get David Blaine on this thing, ask him to show you his video of him swimming with gray whites. What? Well, that guy's a strange cat, man. He's a, he's he, he has a legit record for like holding your yeah. breath, right? Yeah, he's held his breath on Oprah for 17 minutes. How is that possible? How he talks he about that? it on TED.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a great, he tried to do it as a trick and realized he couldn't do it. And then he said, the craziest trick of all is if I really did it. And he started training for it. And he, he did a 15-minute lecture on TED.com about how he broke the world record holding his breath. And it's fucking amazing. You should watch it. Oh, Jesus Christ. He, he also caught a bullet in his mouth. What? Yeah. He puts a steel cylinder in his mouth. And I said, and he had his buddy Bill Kalush actually shoot because Bill shoots. And he just trusted Bill. And he didn't move. And Bill shot a fucking shot that's 22 right into his mouth. Do you oh think it would be God. possible? He's always been obsessed with like, like human suffering and going beyond. 
you, physical. Do you think it would be possible for him to like swallow a oxygen container and then have a tube coming he out tried. into his he, mouth? He tried. He tried it. He tried it. He even went. He even tried to get surgically tried to get a breathing tube stuffed down his throat that nobody could see. It just didn't work. You see him. You see him on the operating table. Whoa. He he's pushed his body on the operating table. Yeah. Like they opened him up. You gotta and watch. They tried to put a tube in there and they said, go, "All right, go, fuck go this. to ted.com, ted ted.com, and watch David Blaine." Just type in David Blaine and he talks. Well, so about then it. it's not a trick. So no, that, that's so crazy. He actually held his breath. He actually held his breath for seventeen minutes. Well, didn't he do a lot of shit that wasn't a trick? Like, didn't he like stand in ice in Times Square for well, like yes, days? Yes, but what bothered David was that when David would spend all this money and time doing a great trick that took him a, like a year to perfect, and it was for like entertainment to make people feel good. That's a, he, by the way, he didn't take any. He doesn't let anybody sponsor him. And then he finally let Target sponsor him, and only if Target gave that money to underprivileged children. They could all have a shopping spree. So David was actually not making any money off this shit because he wouldn't, like, he turned, I think it was Coca-Cola, one of the soft drink companies, down. They wanted to give him a million dollars. To do what? To, to promote it to soda. And he said, it's bad for you. I'm not going to do it. Wow. So he, that, uh, he, you know that he was offered the, 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 the believe that Chris Angel did in, in Vegas? Mm-hmm. That was his deal. Really? They offered him $250 million to do that fucking thing. And he said no. He didn't want to be a Vegas act. Wow. So David is a really, David's one of those guys who just, he does Penn not. Penn and Teller are a Vegas act, though. They're yeah, pretty badass. They're great. They they're pull great. it off. They're How do great. they pull it off? He just doesn't want to do all just those shows, too. He, doesn't want, he also doesn't want to be, he's just, he's just a really particular guy that way. He so what does he do? He like puts together specials and then like. What happened, what, what happened was he would do, he would do a show. He'd spend all his time on it. And then Fox would say, look at all. They'd come out with a special called Behind the Magic. And they'd say, this is how he did it. And a lot of times they did it wrong. That's not how he did the trick. That's not so, how he did so it. So they would, they would lie. They'd fucking fuck lie and they'd say, this is how he did it. When David was like, that's not how I did it. No, you're wrong. But it would ruin, it would ruin the trick. It took all the magic out of it. It just made him feel bad. Right. It's just like, fucking, what are you doing? It's like, why is that entertainment? You know, the whole point, it's, it's an illusion. So that was that when he started doing these endurance feats? Yeah, but since, I've known him since he was 17. He was always, really? always obsessed. Yeah, he that's was all, awesome. Yeah, he's, he was always obsessed with, with, um, with Houdini. And and David David uh, had a tough childhood, you know, and, and and went through a lot, and and I think had to learn how to be deal with a lot of uh, a lot of things that he wanted that he didn't get, and he had to, he was he had to, he had to be very stoic growing up. You know, I don't want to I don't want to betray anything because you know if you get him on there, you'll, he can talk and say speak his mind. But David did not have an easy childhood at all. So he holds the record for holding his breath for 17 minutes. And what else did he do? Didn't he do something where he stood on a block of ice for like three days or something crazy? Yeah, he's always been obsessed. Be, um, what with, did he do? With uh, um, I, I, he he was in a block of ice for uh, how long? Uh, I think it was like three days or something. But I, that might have been a trick. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would Sometimes imagine. it's a trick. Yeah, I would imagine. Although when I was hanging out with him, he was walking around in a t-shirt in the middle of July. I mean uh, February in New York to get used to the cold. Really? Yeah, to get used to the cold. So. He, he was conditioning his body to deal with extreme hunger and extreme cold. Like he goes, he does these things. I hope when he's here, ask him to show you, I don't want to give this away, but ask him to show you his great white video. Ask him to show you what he did with great whites. Why would he do? Oh, it'll blow your fucking mind. It'll blow your mind. Yeah, no, a, nobody's really done it. What a, it's a weird guy, man. It's a, it's a weird way to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. Holding your breath the longest. He likes going to extremes. He's an extreme dude. He, he he's the real deal. I does he have any children? He called me today. I just he just didn't leave me a message. Does he have any children? He does. He has one child now. 
Is this a recent thing? Uh-huh. I wonder if it'll change how he does these things. Um, he's a very loving guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if it did. You could probably make that kid disappear if it doesn't work out. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's a really loving person. Man. That guy, that guy loves <laughs> he was encased in a massive block of ice located in Times Square, lightly dressed and seemed to be shivering even before the blocks of ice sealed around him. A tube supplied him with air and water while his urine was removed with another tube. He was encased in the box for over 63 hours. There you go. 63 hours and 42 minutes and 15 seconds before being removed with chainsaws. The ice was transparent and resting on an elevated platform to show that he was actually inside the ice the entire time. Wow. CNN confirmed that thousands of people braved the pouring rain Wednesday to catch a glimpse of Blaine as workers cut away the ice. Yeah. Wow. Thousands of people out there in the rain watching this guy fucking <laughs> in a block of ice. There you go. He removed the ice and he was obviously dazed. Wow. Well, this is in dazed and disoriented state. Wrapped in blankets, taken to the hospital immediately because doctors feared he might, feared he might be going into shock. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, wow. That may or may not have been a trick. Who knows? But it said it took way. a month before he was able to walk again. Yeah, he went through some shit. That's He's nuts. so nuts. He's got this awesome crucifix on his back, like this this incredible rendition. He just has always been obsessed with that sort of human suffering and That's and going crazy. beyond. Pushing well, this just that thing, you know, someone that someone can do something that you can't do. Yeah. You know, someone's willing to do something that you can't do. Right. Didn't he try to do something in London though? And they started mocking him. Yeah. He was in a, uh, he was suspended in a bridge in a glass case, uh, with nothing but water for like 14 days or something. That was in London, right? Yeah. It was when Chris Rock was like, we got a trickless magician. <laughs> He's living in a box with nothing. That's called the projects. Motherfucker. <laughs> Come to my neighborhood. I'll show you. It is true, too. It's so ridiculous. What a, what, that's a dumb one. I haven't seen Chris Walk in a while. He kind of takes long hiatuses. I think he stopped doing stand-up. Really? Yeah. I think uh. I read something that he stopped doing stand-up for a while. Yeah. I think he was doing something on Broadway, too. Maybe he's just really getting into acting or something. Yeah, actually, he was doing something, I think, on Broadway. I think some guys get to a point where they don't want to do it anymore. The creativity Well, I think that, draining. like anything, when it loses its mystery, when it loses its challenge, I find Maybe. stand-up incredibly challenging because I always try to keep, like, I'm coming up with a whole new hour. I'm trying to reinvent myself. It's it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's one of the things, that, uh, yeah. I you're mean, making people laugh. It's, like, the greatest gift of all time. Yeah, and you're making yourself laugh and surprising yourself. Yeah, and it's, like, you know? uh, the only reason why it would ever be a drag to me is the traveling or if my health started to fail. For some reason, I didn't want to get on planes all the time. That that that's well, it. I find traveling difficult. The road yeah. kind of kicks my ass. It's so great to be able to work around L.A. You know, oh. there's so many clubs around L.A. Between yeah. the improvs, like the Improv in Brea, great club, right. Ontario, great club, right. Irvine, great club. Right. You know, there's Comedy and Magic Club. There's the Ice House in Pasadena, where we're always at. There's so many great clubs in L.A. that if you wanted to, you could still keep your stand-up going and stay around L.A. for a while. Yeah, you're you right. Know? You could you could get get shit done. You're right. The fucking the getting in the planes all the time. It's just it's so unhealthy for your body. I can't stand traveling on planes. Yeah. I fucking hate it. It's crazy. When are we going to come up with better air travel? We're still in the fifties because we can't break the speed. You know the, the sound barrier because we'll crack windows. Well, it's that's like, what they were on. trying to do with this crazy fucking the rocket rocket and ship let the thing. Earth like the Earth's axis. You know, you know, yeah, come back down. The real the problem is they w- that's not really what they're using it for. They're using it to be able to fuck somebody up in New York in twelve minutes. That's yeah. what the idea is. Yeah. it's not the idea is not for passengers. The idea is to be able to fuck somebody up. On 
the other side of the world with like immediate precision. <laughs> crazy. That's true. Like the drone that got the funny, the drone that Iran has supposedly now back engineered. That to me was one of the greatest moments in my theory that life is just theater and it's not really real. And that this is all just a work of fiction. When right. Obama was on TV and said, well, we asked for it back. When he was talking about the drone. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. Have you seen that? Yes. You've seen him yes. actually say that? Yes. We asked for the drone yeah. back. Yeah. Oh, sorry we were spying on you with a fucking automated UFO that shoots missiles. <laughs> exactly. But Dude, can I, we I, have it back? This, Brian, on, 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 my, on my podcast, I had this CIA paramilitary guy, like a real CIA guy I, I grew up with. And he's been in Iraq for a long time in Afghanistan and stuff. And I, I fucked the sound up, and I hope, Rye, you can fix it. Yeah, I, I, may, I may try. All right, try, because I want to I post it. But it, the dude... Brian's done it was, some magic. It, you got to do some magic with this guy. I'm telling you, I was so enlightened. Like, I follow politics. I well, follow Where does this guy live? Well, he just got back from, you know, Iraq. So he's here. Yeah. Bring him no, in no, 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 he's not, he's not here. He's, he's in... Uh, I can't really say where he's... Why don't you, can yeah. you get him to come in here? Um, I can the next time he comes, but do he's really, he's really hard to get... He won't be on camera. Like, well, you don't have to be yeah. on camera. Just do it again we, and... We uh, can have, dude, like, the yeah. shadow, where he, he's just like uh, a shadow. Dude, and it was such changes. a schooling for me on... Keep the on, camera on the exorcist. It was such a schooling, though, for me on, on what really goes on, how politics really work, how countries really work, how we really work. Like, give me a friend. Like for an, for instance, we we like like as far as like any kind of conspiracy theory, he was saying, look, he goes, the way shit works is everybody has different ideas, and it just snowballs. Somebody floats the idea out there that uh, that Iran Iraq is a dangerous threat ultimately to U.S. national security, and they create an intellectual argument around it. The argument starts to win the day because a lot of other people get involved in it. Then there are a lot of people that disagree with it. But what happens is then people that disagree with it get bullied and shut their fucking mouths. And before you know it, there's a lot of also private enterprise that's going to make a lot of money off this stuff. And pretty soon, before you know it, there's a company making fucking 100 grand just for importing sand to Iraq, and Afghanistan, which are deserts, for the volleyball courts on the military bases. They're making money, and pretty soon the private sector is making a whole shitload of money on this thing called the Iraq-Afghanistan uh, uh, war. Oh, one example. Oh, just one example. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, what? They're bringing sand? Uh, yeah, it costs 100. In one instance, for one court, it costs about 100 grand <laughs> to bring fuck? sand in from Kansas or wherever, from a sand farm in Kansas, because you couldn't find fucking sand in Iraq for your volleyball course. That's how the war effort works. Oh, my God. It becomes so it be stupid. the business and, and everything else becomes enmeshed in this massive effort so before you know it you've got a shitload of interests working and making lots of money off this conflict now on top of that you have a situation like iraq and he, he described our relationship with the middle east and iraq as a dysfunctional relationship where it was kind of abusive but we were trying to do something we got in there and two years later we're like we can't cut and run now i asked him i asked him this i said i said do you think that pakistan knew that fucking osama bin laden was in was in that town of Arawat, which he had been in, by the way, six months before they caught him. And and I and, and he said, fuck he said, fuck yeah. I said, why? He said, I said, why would they why would they keep him there? Why would they protect him? He said, how many billions of dollars did we did they get from the US government for free for finding to find Osama bin Laden and fight the terrorism problem? He was sitting a mile away from their West Point. You don't think they knew where he was? You don't think that he had been protected? That town that he was in is the vacation spot 
for all of the military's elite. It is a beautiful fucking town. It's high up, really cool. My, my buddy said it's some of the most beautiful, majestic scenery he's ever seen. He was all through those mountains. Yeah, it looked pretty amazing when they showed Dude, the photos of the compound. You, you know what's funny about him? He said he said when he was in Afghanistan. That, that's a crazy conspiracy then. That it's means not they a all, conspiracy. All was, those people over there, the Pakistani conspiracy, they all knew he was there and they all kept their mouths shut. They were making billions of dollars. From Billions. Us. To, to help us find Osama bin Laden and to contain <laughs> the terrorism problem in their country. So Why in the world would you give up your golden go- your goose that go- lays the golden eggs? Why would you give that goose up? So Why? had they spread the money around to keep everybody quiet? Because there was also a big of bounty course. on Osama bin Laden's head. Well, $25 Didn't, million. Dollars. Yeah. So Compare to that individuals... To the, but for individuals, how is that not like something worth them stepping out first for? Of all, first of all, we all knew, our military intelligence elite knew that that was probably what was going on. We knew the Pakistanis were shielding them. The way we really? found them, you know how we found them, was through DNA. Every time that we would, they would take DNA samples. They would take DNA samples from his family members. Uh-huh. That was one of the ways. And they would just track those, they, they, would, they would try to, they basically, they would track, um, and then they knew, they, had, they knew who his courier was. And they basically, I believe, it's a great story, and I can't remember all the details, but when somebody would go to a hospital who was part of that family and they get a checkup or something, they would take a DNA sample and uh-huh. they would find, and I guess they just kind of tracked wherever his DNA was, you know, whatever, whoever he was related to. They knew he had to be around relatives of some kind, and somehow they drew a, you know, they had all these ingenious wow. ways of actually finding him. It's amazing that the Pakistanis, if they did have him there, were able to keep that, were, <clears throat> were able to keep that secret so in, well for so he was long. In, he was in the town where all the elite, political and military elite, vacation. They mm. have vacation homes there. He was there. Yeah. What a surprise. It's amazing, though. Of course it is. But it's they, amazing it, that they were able to step away from that $25 million reward or whatever the hell it was well, and because, keep their mouth shut. Because there was such, so much more money. It was, right, it was but, $25 but billion. Right, but for individuals, dollars, yeah. it wasn't. How many do you think the individuals were making more than $25 million? I, How does that $25 million spread around? For, first of all, first of all, if you, if, you were, if you were a guy. Who gave him up? If you were a guy, well, they found him. They, they, they found, found him, him through, by his DNA. They tracked him through his courier. They tracked him through his chauffeur, I believe, or his, uh, I believe. But I don't know how they found him. Do you buy the 100% of the story? It seems kind of wonky. Yeah, I do. because The uh, death the at reason, sea? Do you buy the death at sea? Yeah, I buy, I buy all of it. And the reason I buy all of it is there are so many people in that room that watch that shit go down. Try keeping a secret in Washington. Try. Impossible. Pretty easy to keep a secret in Pakistan. So I guess the Pakistanis have better Very intelligence. Very different system of government. And, and a better and system. And a clannish group of, oh, those motherfuckers aren't playing around. Oh, and by the way, if you think there's any profit in giving up where he is, and you're going to give the Americans... Think about the guy who gets the $25 million. You think he's going to be able to hang out in Pakistan with that money? With that intelligence service? The mm. ISI? The well, ISS he could be whatever? living in Miami then. You're not going to fucking... You're dead before you get that money. $25 million in Miami. Dude. You're, you can get a nice you're, condo. You're fucking dead. Spend the rest on security. <laughs> hit the clubs every night. And, do, do, and, do, you, know, do, and you know what else? Do, most people believe... Most people knew... That you're not going to get that $25 million. Yeah. The government How are you going to collect it? They're probably going to shoot you in the head. How are you going to collect it? You're here, not going to get it. Here's your money, stupid. Yeah. Why didn't you tell us yesterday? Yeah, you're not going to collect saved, that money. Could have saved American lives. Yeah. Who do I go to in the, uh, uh, where's my reward? Who do I go to in the U.S. government? By the way, they'd be like, uh, see you later. Thanks. You well, know. What do you think about the uh, story that 
he used someone as a human shield, one of his wives or something crazy? No, I think what happened probably was that they they were afraid. The C- First of all, I think they probably had shoot to kill orders. Uh-huh. But I also think uh, that's all that stuff is all weighed out way beforehand. But I also think when a SEAL team like that comes in, probably the danger and the the, the, the worry is that he's got um, uh, explosives on him. He's going to mm. blow himself up. So you don't wow. take a chance. So standard operating procedure is put a bullet in his fucking head. That's 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 what I think. So they don't even try to take him? No, I don't, think, I don't think that was ever the idea. If, if somehow they could take him, it would have been maybe, you know, but there was more profit in just getting rid of him fucking. And what they did is they took a picture of his face. They ran it through that facial recognition technology. They sent, took a picture, sent it back to the White House. This they were is all, after they put a hole in his head. Yeah, they were all watching it. They were all watching it. On, 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 they were watching it on a screen. Biden, right. um, um, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see the picture. Right. And then some, un, some faceless CIA guys in the back. They didn't show their faces. But, but um, they were watching that. That was high stakes. Obama had to go away for the weekend. They knew where he was. He had to go away for the weekend. And he deserves credit. He had to go away for the weekend. And the decision was the president's. Do we go in? We know where he is. We did, they didn't know it was Osama bin Laden. They knew there was a very high value target there. They knew that one of their ace of spades or whatever they call it was there. And it was probably Osama bin Laden. And Obama had to go home alone and make the decision of whether or not to risk American lives. Supposedly, a bunch of, from that Bill Hicks joke, the industrialists in a smoke-filled room sucking their cigars. (laughs) Here's your agenda. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is is that great book, The Black Swan. You can never control anything. There's always always the unforeseen. How does does the photo get out, you think? You think the photo ever gets out? I think that's that it's definitely in class. It's classified. So it's somewhere know. though. Yeah. Still, they're holding yeah. on to that. Mm-hmm. So it could somehow or another get out. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a mistake, and they said they are going to release it eventually. Really? Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a mistake for conspiracy theorists because I mean, because what happens is if you don't show his body and you bury him at sea, because nobody else is going to. You take know when him, they're going to release you know? it? Uh, no. When Photoshop 16 comes out, because <laughs> it's going to be like indetectable. That's, that's right. Photoshop 16 is going to be the new shit. They're going to be able, it's going to be pre-installed on your iPhone too. That's when yeah. they're going to release it. Yeah. When reality is well, undiscernible. Well, Osama bin Laden when he met the, the SEAL team 6 that did the job, he never asked any of them who the actual shooter was. They that that they never said it. He just shook all their hands and thanked you them. You mean Obama? Yeah. You said Osama I'm bin sorry. Laden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Which really one's going to shoot me? Let wait me just shake all your hands. Wait a minute. No. Barack Obama actually when he met them and congratulated them on their mission, he never asked any of them. He never asked who the actual shooter was. Really? And they probably wouldn't tell you. I think it's like protocol to go to that with your grave only they know and all that, you know. Now when and then there was the other big conspiracy theory that I thought was pretty silly. Well there was a crash, you know, a bunch of SEAL team 6 guys died in a helicopter yeah. and they like this is a cover up because Osama bin Laden like wasn't even the same guys. No, wasn't even the same guys. It's and the not, people were no. like, but still, conspiracy theories are really hard still. to pull off. It's really hard to organize all that. Well, it know? sounds like that's not the case in Pakistan. It's really interesting. You yeah. know, they had a real legitimate conspiracy going on in Pakistan for a the, long. It, period I don't of time. know that it was so much a conspiracy. They just are very good at they. They're good at control. If you if you cross the I the, what is it called the inter well that's conspiring. Services. They conspired yeah, to keep a secret. They'll fucking kill you. Yeah. It's amazing though that they did that for so long. How long do you think he lived in that spot? Uh, f- well, f- since 2011, so a long time, I think. Well, what about all those war- stories that he was on dialysis, and then he was going to, you know, he had probably been dead for years, and this was all horseshit? You ever hear those? Yeah, I knew that he, I, I, th- there was a fact that he had to, to get dialysis, I believe. I believe he had um, an issue with his kidneys and stuff like that, which was one of the ways they wanted to find him. He was, I guess, in Waziristan for a while. Where they said they thought he was, he actually had been. Wow. And most of the high-ranking military and intelligence officials would always say he's probably somewhere in Pakistan. But they thought he wasn't in Arawat. They didn't expect him to be 
a mile away from their West Point. They didn't expect that. They thought he was in in Waziristan, that lawless region where my buddy, who's the CIA guy, I actually talk about on my podcast, the dude was in the fucking hills with a couple other guys. And and, and, uh, I said, what happens when you get caught? He goes, you don't get caught, dude. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're not letting them catch you. I said, so what is the alternative? He goes, you got enough ammo, you shoot it, and then you you save one bullet for yourself. And I went... I went, really? He goes, you don't want to get caught by those guys. Do you? you don't want to get caught by Afghanis or those Pashtuns. They will fuck you up. You shoot yourself. I was like, that's where my buddy lives. I was like, that's living on the edge. Jesus He's a Christ. real, he's always been the baddest dude I know. He's always been the baddest motherfucker Jesus on the planet. He's such a badass. Christ. And you would never know it. He's the guy who used to fight four guys. Just, just open up on you. Like, you know. He would fight four guys? Ah, no problem. Why would he do that? Four Marines. Take his jacket off. I want to fight these guys. For Why? no reason? Why? No. If they're, you know, they, these fucking oh, guys were chasing were them. With my buddy, my buddy oh. and he, my buddy told me the story. He didn't tell me the story. My buddy, my buddy said he stopped. They were, they were running down an alley, four guys, and he goes, I'm going to fight him. My buddy goes, what? And he goes, I'm going to fight him. I want to see if I can fight him. And my buddy goes, don't do that, dude. Please don't do that. And he goes, nah, I'm going to do it. And he took his jacket off and he fought him. <laughs> Just fucking started swinging and kicking. But he was a really, really, really good fighter and could hit like a heavyweight. And, uh... And fucking did just fine. And, you know, his buddy had to sit there and fight now. But those guys were like, why am I getting hit like this? Why am I getting fucking kicked and hit and wheel kicked in my head? It was, you know, pretty wild. There's a, there's a lot of people out there that have lived some pretty fucking intense lives. He loved you know? danger. He was really good in the violence spaces. He told me it's the only time he felt alive. It's funny when we talk about, like, David Blaine, like, his this desire to try to push the envelope of... What, what a human being can do with holding his breath or with ice or we had talked about on the podcast before this David Goggins guy who's one of those Iron Man guys you ever seen him before he's got no. a bunch of videos online where he, he engages in 48 hour races where they run for 48 hours straight on a track and people monitor well, hu- human one beings, mile track human beings are the best long distance animals on the planet yeah you know we that. kill that's yeah. how we ki- you know persistence yeah. hunting mm-hmm. they would kill certain animals in right. Africa but you know these these people that are trying to push the limits you know and they, it takes a long time to build up to it like an interesting thing that happens with a lot of young MMA fighters is they kind of underestimate the kind of conditioning that's required to be a five round fighter and how intense and how much is involved and how long the process is to build your body into a body that can withstand work for 25 minutes you know in an that's, octagon that's an eon anybody's wrestled insanity. which i did six minutes is a fucking eternity it, 25 yeah. minutes is the craziest thing i've ever heard in my it's life it's insanity it's the the amount of exertion that your body has to go through it takes a long fucking time to build up to it and a lot of guys suffer from overtraining in the beginning of their career because their body's simply not conditioned to be able to handle that kind of work rate mm. it's just not you know, there's especially when it comes to like a lot of kickboxers who go into MMA, mm. they have no idea how difficult the wrestling aspect of it and how mm. much more it takes out of you. And they almost always gas when the fights turn into wrestling matches initially. Like a right. lot of the striking based guys, they have the, the hardest time developing that wrestling endurance. It's so, so much tension. It's such full exertion, you know. I mean, people really don't respect MMA fighters enough as far as the amount of discipline that it's required to, to, to be in condition to fight a full five-round MMA fight or even a three-round fight. My, my experience was that, with that was I was on a date in my house. I had, remember I had my two pit bulls, Piggy. I'm sorry, Piggy was my pit bull and Stella was my German Shepherd, my police German Shepherd, my, my fucking working class German German Shepherd, a fucking wolf. And they got, they locked onto each other. 
and I was I, I wasn't that I didn't want him, it was it wasn't that I didn't want them to kill each other. I was just seeing vet bills. I was just seeing thousand dollar here because as they were ripping into each other. Right. And I and I was on my front lawn wrestling with these two dogs and choking one out. Then the the other one would fall asleep and then the other one would get a hold of the other one. Then I have to choke that one out and went back and forth oh as I'm God. trying to break them up. Like I kept choking each one each fucking dog out and I was so furious. <sighs> And when my buddy Bob came home and 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 jumped off the the, the my jumped into the yard and and fucking and jumped on both dogs and put his knees on both their heads and just held them there and 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 finally they let go from exhaustion. I was so exhausted. I don't even know how long I was there. I was like 15 minutes fighting with two dogs. I remember crawling up in the corner in my yard. I crawled up in a corner and I was like breathing like I've never, like from wrestling, all that shit. There's no comparison because I was literally, for your life. I was fighting for my life and I was going, huh. and imagine, and I was on a date. I didn't even, I didn't even have time to look cool. I was going, huh. and my hands, <laughs> I didn't realize my own, my own hands for fucking a week after that, I had trouble closing and opening my hands. Because wow. I had I had I had, like torn all the muscles in my hands from trying to pull them apart. And imagine you weren't even engaged in combat with them. You right. were trying to stop. Them. What if one of them was trying them. to kill you? Well, that's that's like this book, Extreme Fear, where the woman gets in a fight with a mountain lion. This female mountain lion stalked her and tried to kill her, and she ended up just fucking. She took this uh, like a some kind of a like a knife or like something and a spike and was sticking it in its eye. Whoa. And she just turned. She her fear turned to fury, and she started fighting back. But, you know, she was fucking fucked up. When you get in a fight with a real animal. Oh, yeah. Especially a mountain lion. You're done. You're so, we're so fleshy. Your food. They're yeah. predators. Your food. Our skin's made of toilet paper. That's right. Whereas theirs is made of leather. That's right. Like deer have leather. That's it's right. Like deer skin. That's exactly <laughs> they right. They make shoes out of it, yeah. man. Their well, skin is so tough. You don't make nobody makes skin out of human. Right. You know, human shoes. Right. No, they, of, they take down, skin. they take down elk. Yeah. So go Imagine. try to bite it with elk. their face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> try biting an elk to death. Yeah, bite, they they grab it with their claws and they bite it with their face. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, good luck. Go, good luck go, go measuring kill, up. Go kill that. a deer with your face. That's what I say about great whites. I go try biting a seal to death. It'll bite it on a flipper. It'll fucking be like, get the fuck off me. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's my argument was to those people that are when I lived in Colorado when I was saying you should kill these fucking things. And people were so angry at me after one of them killed my dog. That really did happen. Like I was telling them, like, why do you allow mountain lions to stick around? Well, you know, hey, they're a part of nature and, you know, they're they're here too. I go, if there was a, a guy running around that could kill a deer with his face and occasionally he would eat dogs, wouldn't you want him in jail? Yeah. Well, this is way scarier than a guy that can do it, you stupid fuck. This is an animal, and they fuck, and they make a bunch of other animals just like it. And then they live in the, the woods, and they eat dogs. And people, too. Whatever they're, you know. Yeah, they've had, I think, six to eight uh, mountain lion attacks. But I love mountain lions. It doesn't mean you want to kill mountain lions. You just got to be aware that where they are. Fuck them. You know. Kill them. Light them up. Fuck those mountain lions. No, you don't want to kill an apex lions. predator. I mean, Get rid of them. Get them out. The joke I did What I did the hell are you special, talking about? I like I'm pro mountain lion, you bastard. Well, what I was saying was like you know the, the the argument that I got in with a guy, and this is actually in my act, but it is true. The guy told me that we needed him to keep the deer population down, yeah. and I said, "Do you know the deer are not bulletproof and they're made out of food?" <laughs> Stupid fuck! It was a real conversation. I was like, "This is the dumbest conversation ever." You need well, wild monsters running through the woods to eat up all the extra. It, it's food. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting question because I, I I personally think all animals like that, like tigers and lions, should all be preserved because they're so f just for the sake of how beautiful they are. I believe but it, everything but in other it's, continents. It's, it's, <laughs> just not where I live. Nothing that can fuck swim across I'm, the ocean and jack you. I'm yeah, not even man. big on leopards who like live like God, in I love Mexico. Leopards. 
and are making them. it across the border. Is it jaguars or re- jaguars? Jaguars. Jaguars, so jaguars, jaguars are, are way more dangerous than a leopard. They're, they're much bigger. They're big, and they are not afraid of people. They will kill they a human people. being. Yeah. They well, are. They, you don't have a chance against a jag. Well, not a chance. It's uh, in the Amazon the, when uh, people take ayahuasca. You know that crazy jungle yeah. in, intoxicant. Yeah. One of the things, the visions that they see is jaguars. Like a constant like bunch of jaguars, like watching them and jaguars communicating dude, dude, with them. My buddy told me a story. This guy who's CIA guy told me a story that in the Congo or somewhere in Africa, this dude decided he wanted. He was like a like an embassy, you know, guy working. He just wanted to be part of the culture, and he went to this African tribe and he drank some tea that they gave him. And all of a sudden, he fucking starts hallucinating, and he runs off with his cell phone naked, and he decided that they were trying to eat him, which. I don't know, but he goes, these people are trying to eat me. And they had to send this huge search and part like a rescue team out to the middle of the fucking Congo and track him down with his cell phone and find him. And it was this massive operation. They found him. He was eaten to shreds by bugs, cut up by thorns, all fucked up. Had to go to the hospital. He was there like three days, like running through the forest away from what he thought were people trying to eat him because of this fucking hallucinogenic <laughs> tea. Meanwhile, they were probably like really sweet African people, you know, who, were, who had degrees and or- shit. Or maybe they were trying to eat him. Or maybe they were trying to eat him. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? Maybe but. he just like came to grips. Yeah. With the reality, a lot of people eating people in parts of the world. Actually, you ever meet like Africans in this country? They all have like six degrees. Like Nigerians, find me a Nigerian who doesn't have at least his masters. <laughs> and fucking every single time, like, yes, well, I, I, I have my, my degree in uh, in uh, all kinds of things in uh, mechanical engineering and uh, my doctorate in. Uh, it's like, a, fucking. Imagine if the whole world was like Africa. Imagine well, Africa I mean, is actually I, I talked to my buddy about Africa who is the CIA you know the guy I, I shouldn't even say CIA let's just say he's whatever and he said um, he said uh, he's really optimistic about Africa and not optimistic about the Middle East at all. really no. so optimistic about the progress of Liberia not about yeah, Afghanistan yeah very much because Africa actually in a lot of ways has has come to terms to these terrible wars with a lot of their their, their civil strife their tribal strife and what's the big and, thing and their mineral issues you know the, a lot of these wars in Liberia and Sierra Leone was was, was ri- fighting over Resources um, of diamonds, right? Uh, the diamond mines uh, um, and the material in the Congo, the material that goes into cell phones. That that that's really where these warring factions um, f- fight over. But also, they're solving a lot of their political problems. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of African states were were dictatorships, just like in South America. So he thinks that they can be worked out, but why, they are they wh- are being worked out. Why not the Middle East? The Middle East mainly because the Middle East is there are a couple of reasons. One is, and one of the things he brought up was very interesting. He said, the notion that you can separate Islam from democracy, as in you can, one of the things, the tenets that we have is the separation of church and state. The Quran is a blueprint for how to run a society, even how to manage your banking laws and things. It's very difficult to separate Islam from an Islam, Islam from state-run affairs. Traditionally in the Middle East, the only way you did do that was by imposing an iron fist, the way Saddam Hussein did, the way countless Arab dictators did. Um, That's one of the issues. But the other issue is the Sunni-Shia rivalries. That that are constantly you know playing out now in not just in Bahrain but in Syria and and a lot of different parts and certainly in Iraq and. The only way to control that is one side's got to have more guns than the other side. And I have a different point of view, by the way, but which is that I think commerce ultimately 
when commerce comes to these countries, which it is, I think people are going to have a lot more to lose. I think economic, um, economic prosperity, equality. yeah, economic yeah. prosperity, equality, and technology. I hope, I hope for the Middle East is going to make it a better place to live for the people there. But, um, but I, I do think that if you look at, for example, Egypt now, Egypt has, if you look at who's running for for election, they have essentially hardline Islamists yeah. who are going to impose. You know, or the, the the worry is that they're going to impose Sharia and, law. well Sharia or something like that. Yeah. That's certainly not very democratic. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but did you want to go back to Mubarak's reign? How do the they stop dictators? that? How is that going to be stopped? You uh, think it's uh, only money that's going to be able to stop it? I, I think I think what happens with all countries, it's look. You know how to stop it? Time. What happens is take a look at what happened in Europe. Take a look at what happened with Central America. These are democracies, imperfect democracies, but they're certainly not military dictatorships. Do you think there's even a real in possibility? China, even in China, even in China, China is learning that basically democracy is an inevitable, inevitable thing that they have to come to terms with. And when I say democracy, I mean a government that listens to its people. How do you keep a, a people in, in ignorance? How do you keep people ignorant when they have access to the internet? You don't. Human beings now have access to real information and the truth of what's really going on. And more importantly, they can see how other countries are living. It's very difficult to control and have power over a people when they know the truth. And one of the most unique things about what's going on in the Middle East today is that these uprisings are uprisings that are happening organically from within the population. They are not being manipulated by an, an imperialistic power. They're not being manipulated by, by another Arab country. These are homegrown grassroots rebellions that are very difficult to, to ignore. And the people that are doing it are young people who just want a better life. And I can tell you right now that if these theocracies, if they vote in these, these, these Islamists, and they don't see results, you're going to see more rebellion. And so I think that, that whether or not these countries are Islamist, they're going to have to listen to their populations, and they're going to have to, be, they're going to, have to respect individual freedoms. That's my belief. That's my hope anyway. I may be naive. Yeah, well, it's know. a good hope. You yeah, know, it's I a, hope it's so. The idea is a beautiful idea that eventually we're all going to come to some sort of a utopian system of government that we're all going to accept because it's all going to be the will of the people. Yeah. It's just the will of the people in this country is slowly being choked. And the, the, all the, the provisions provided by the Constitution are slowly being choked out. I agree with you. In government, the, it's the, scary. The, 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 biggest, the biggest problem is I think a lot of government governments, and I'm talking about municipal Our governments, cunts. state governments, well, they're becoming more concerned Corrupt. with their own with their own employees and the people they're, they're trying to serve. They want to keep jobs going, so they want to keep laws in place because well, the, if there's no one to arrest for anything, then there's no need for that job. What's there's happening? a lot of people in the DEA, a lot of people in yeah. drug enforcement that are actively lobbying to keep certain really non-lethal, non-dangerous drugs and keep them illegal because they want to have people to arrest for that's things. Right, that's right. There's and then you have the problem with private prisons, and you have the. Pr there's so many different fucking problems. Well, well, it's anytime somebody has a vested interest in something, they're going to try to protect that interest, and regardless of whether right. they're a good person or a bad person, we have a vested interest in marijuana. That's right. So we're trying to protect I, uh, that marijuana. I am. Um, I'm going to have to uh, run. We're going to have to close this thing down. Yeah. Let's uh, shut it off. Shut it down. Once again, my dear friend. Thanks Another for having me. Another fascinating, d driven 
sort of a conversation into all sorts of bizarre subjects. Love it, man. I never, yeah. I never have a bad time. It's always enlightening. Make sure you check out Brian Callen's own podcast. Brian Callen has what, what do you it's call called the Brian, Brian Callen, Callen show? show? Perfect name. <laughs> Couldn't be any better. I feel pretentious with the Joe Rogan experience. I got some great guests. Uh, my my Sam Brown, my buddy's dying of cancer. Uh, I mean, not dying. Episode. I don't want to say, but he's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's he's got pancreatic cancer, and he's he's hilarious. And That's I'm gonna awesome. I'm gonna do another one. I got uh, I got uh, fucking um, uh, Anthony Tambakas. I'm gonna post soon, which was a great podcast. The Brian Callen Show. Yeah, Do you baby. have music for your Brian Callen Show? Do you have, uh, not do you have an yet. opening yet? I, I don't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start coming into the studio. <laughs> and oh, go to the 10 Minute Podcast. Yes. The 10, 10 Minute, minute podcast, podcast is funny with, as shit. Uh, Chris D'Elia and, and Will Sasso. Two very funny motherfuckers. All right. That's the end of this dirty ride, ladies and gentlemen. That's probably the end for this week, too. We were going to do something with a certain controversial person tomorrow, but you know what? It's just. Why, why, why even bother? Yeah. We just. Uh, Sorry, there's too much crazy going on in this world at this moment. Yeah. I don't feel like jumping in a river of any more crazy. Right. Um, crazy. That's it. Thanks to the Fleshlight for tuning into this, sponsoring this excursion. This weekend you're in New York, but it's already sold out, right? Yeah, yeah. We're in. Uh, it's me and Duncan, and yeah, for people who come to the show who don't know who's on it, it's me and Duncan and Joey Diaz, and it is the day before there is a UFC. Uh, in uh, New Jersey, and we're at the Grand Ballroom in uh, the Manhattan Center. Should be a lot of fun. I haven't been in New York in about, it's probably been about like a year. Good times, you dirty freaks. Um, thank you again to our sponsors, The Fleshlight. Please go to JoeRogan.net, click on the link for The Fleshlight, enter in the code name Rogan, save yourself 15% off. Thank you again to Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T, makers of Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, Shroom Tech Immune, and... New Mood, all of them, all of your questions can be answered on onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. And for people that are asking about the kettlebells, it's, everything's going to be handled really soon. It's just a, a shipping issue we're trying to work out, so we have to move everything into a, a different location. So within the next couple of weeks, it'll be all for sale, and we'll let you know what's going down. A lot, a lot of cool shit's coming up, good protein powder, uh, hemp protein powder, and a bunch of other stuff. So that's it. Um, we will see you all like Monday. Kevin Smith wants to do next week. I think Ooh, I'm going to do his awesome. though. I think I have to do his. Aww. I think that's how it works. I think we, you know, because he did ours last. So yeah, I got to do his. So I'll do that next week. And we're going to try to get dice next week too. Oh, Holla. Awesome. Yeah, we should have a bunch of fun ones coming up soon. So uh, that's it. Uh, sorry about the big bummer yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes things get, things go wrong. We don't, we don't mean that. And it's much more fun to have a Kyle. A calm and cool and interesting. And the situation's like been this. fixed if you did listen to it. It's yeah, uh, Ice House is now paying. I don't have anything to do with it. Yes. So there's. there's we have no a show more. Friday with Sarah Tiana. There you go, Sarah Tiana. And make sure you tweet me that, and I'll retweet that. And uh, we'll probably do one um, next week as well because I'm going to be back in town. So um, thank you to everybody that tunes in. Thanks to all your messages, even your cunty ones about the little spat yesterday. I see a lot of you have opinions, and it's it's nice that you care. Just. Try to try to be nice. Try to be friendly. Try not to be so twatty. There's just too much twatty behavior in this world. Don't be so twatty. next week, uh, which is like uh, the 11th, we'll probably have another one uh, at the Ice House. So if you're planning on flying in from where did people fly in from? We had people Canada. From they were going on a comedy tour, and that was uh, the Dust Squad show was the last show of the tour. And he just wrote me just to thank me because I, I I mean that's the guy with the green shirt. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so we, I gave him a tour of the studio, which I usually don't do. But well, uh, what's cool such about a nice guy? Yeah, great guy. What's cool about that guy too is that he said that uh, he ran into me at Sal's Comedy Hole a year ago. And I told him to do comedy. 
So he went and did comedy, and now he's a comedian. He was thinking about doing it, and I was like, go fucking do it, man. And so he listened to me, and now he's actually a comedian. Oh. He's touring all over the country. Wow. Crazy. Gosh. Isn't it amazing how fast you can change your fucking life? Come little, on, dude. Little it. inspiration, you pussies. All that fear, get in the way. Now you got to get rid of that fucking Prius and get a man's car. I'm going to do it. Have we figured Peer out pressure. anything from this podcast? Yes, that I have to get a char- Charger. Is that uh, what I have to yeah, get? Yeah, Challenger. A cha- fucking Charger's Challenger. not bad, too. Charger's got four doors. Pretty goddamn fast. Anything with and a ch- an excellent interior. The right. SRT8 Challenger. Very nice car. Right. So is the Charger. Both right. very good cars. And they're fucking American. You can feel good about it. I Pull like up to that. your dad's house in a goddamn American oh, car. He'll be man. so happy for you. <laughs> Damn right he Wouldn't he be? Yes, he love would. son. I knew son, you. I knew you'd you know, come you'd around. Come around and get off those oh, Japanese gay cars. My son. So you don't like the penis. All right, son. you dirty bitches. We'll see you soon. Thanks for everything. Thank bye you. bye. Right. See you guys in New York. Holla.